Great spirit and the maker of our life. A warrior goes to you swift and straight as an arrow shot into the sun. Welcome him and let him take his place at the council fire of my people. He is Uncas, my son. Tell them to be patient and ask death for speed. For they are all there, but one. I, Chingitska, last of the Mohicans. Here on the Spoilers Podcast, we love Michael Mann. And the more Michael Mann movies we spoil, the more he can impress us. This is Spoilers. <laughs> Ooh, I like that wordplay. You're on. Yeah, Pappy and I uh, workshopped that a little bit, and it was like a like a ding moment, so I was pretty pumped because I'd been struggling with this one, but this movie right here represents the last of the Brother Brian trilogy. Oh. Uh, he did kind of reach out to me and apologize. He said he didn't realize that all three of the movies were so long, um, but I told him it didn't bother me. I mean, only one of them was really long, right? The Patriot? This one wasn't as long as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a lot longer. The original cut was three hours, and he was really mad that they made him get down to two hours. So, uh, probably a good thing. But So, uh, yeah, this is Brett. I am recording out of the Fort Wangies. We are doing the movie, uh, I think, 1992, The Last of the Mohicans, starring Daniel Day-Lewis and a bunch of other cool people. So, let's go ahead and... Uh, let's see. Uh, you guys all saw my opening questions, right? The audience did. <laughs> Maybe for the listener at home, we can let him know. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to like give it to Corey and him be like, "Oh, I didn't prepare. I didn't have any time." So we're gonna go from west to east. The opening question. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna go first. Nice, Brett. The opening question I asked him, my brother and I workshopped a little bit was, "What is?" What movie has your favorite score and or maybe your favorite shot? Um, spoiler alert. Uh, both of mine are in this movie. So um, my favorite score of all time is this score. It's like not even close to me. I, I love the music in this movie so much. Um, and it's kind of weird because a bunch of different people worked on it. Um, but to me, it came together perfectly. But And I thought I was kind of unique on my favorite shot. But I've been hearing about it a lot lately. I just heard it on a podcast today that it's kind of a well-known shot. It's the shot at the very end of the movie when right before the uh, the final blow is dealt, let's say that, and they're both on that rock, and like the background is like beautiful blue sky and mountains. It's just like so gorgeous and so perfect for me. Um, you guys know what shot I'm talking about? The one at the end? Yeah. yeah, they're on the rock fighting. I didn't want to give it away, even though it is spoilers, but... This is spoilers. You can give it away. So, yeah, it's, uh, right, before, it's right after... Right before Chingachgook... I butchered that name. Uh, kills Magua. They're standing there staring at each other. Magua's about dead. And uh, in the background, it's like the background, the sky and the mountains. And then that's when he uh, does a 360 tomahawk chop right to the, the chest. And it's game over, so... Uh, I think it's beautiful. Boom. I think it's awesome. I wish I could have seen that in the theater. I heard it's really awesome in the theater, but those are mine. So let's go ahead and kick it to Corey. This is Corey, Kylo Ren memes. I'm recording out of Simi Valley, California. Uh, this is a good question. I have a few answers to the two questions. So one shot that I really like 
is when Nick Cage is shot in Con Air. Oh. Mm. I don't know if you like guys remember it. this, but he <laughs> it has no effect. Like, he is shot by a bullet by John Malkovich. He's approaching John Malkovich menacingly, Cyrus the Virus. And Nick Cage is a man on a mission. He's laser-focused. John Malkovich shoots him. It hits Nick Cage in the shoulder. Doesn't matter. Doesn't hurt him. Doesn't flinch. Doesn't affect him later in any way. Just a bullet that bounces right off. It's a Terminator moment. So how's that for a shot in a movie? Love a man it. is shot. That's good. <laughs> but uh, more, I think, interestingly than that, at least for me, something that I care about more is the music in a few movies. One of them is Hook. Hook is my favorite music score of all time. It's done nice. by John Williams. It is amazing and underrated. I say underrated because the Hook haters don't know about the Hook score. <laughs> Stevie? The Hook score is enough by itself to make the movie great. There's a track on the musical score called You Are the Pan. About two minutes in, a really amazing musical swell. Just a lot of big fills in that musical score. But also, you know, this movie has a, a very nice score, Brett. It reminds me slightly of another movie that is, I guess, similar in some other ways as well. Legends of the Fall, which has a score by James Horner. The Legends of the Fall theme is very epic and sweeping, as the movie is very epic and sweeping. It fits perfectly, so I think that's a good one. And to just throw in one more James Horner score, I'm not taking any of your answers, I'm sure, um, but Willow. <laughs> Willow is a movie that people may or may not like, but there are some really great travel scenes in Willow that are very now reminiscent of Fellowship of the Ring. It's kind of like the Fellowship traveling at the beginning phase of their mission before things get really bad, and there's really great music accompanying the travel scenes. It feels very epic, very fantasy, but big. So those are the ones I got on uh, the topic of music. Dang, James Horner, I'm looking at his... IMDb, he's a freaking legend, man. He does some awesome, awesome... Like, I love the music in Apollo 13, and I'm sure it's really good in Braveheart. Wow, nice. I like how Corey's like, the hook haters just haven't heard the score. Like, <laughs> it's part of the... Of course I've heard the score. I've seen the movie. Hum a tune. Hum a tune. <laughs> yeah, see? That's all you got. <laughs> hey, hey, that's that Jurassic one. Park, hey. isn't it? Yeah. That one's not right. <laughs> I love hook, un- unapologetically. Mikey, recording from Chicago. I'm thinking of uh, scenes in movies that also have like a really cool soundtrack at the same time going. So not separately, but going at the same time for me. And I can think of Lord of the Rings when... Uh, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember her name. Uh, cuts the head off the Nazgul and then the, the Witch King kind of gets up off a... Of, gets up off the ground and turns around and he looks so big and imposing. The music mm. is really great right there. Yes. Eowyn? Eowyn, yeah. That's a great scene along with music. And I always love the soundtrack in Inception. And when Joseph Gordon-Levitt is kind of running through that tunnel that's like spiraling, I th- I would always that 
shot has always fascinated me and like knowing Nolan did it practically and there's like a real revolving tunnel that they shot in is so cool to me and oh yeah yeah that that music swelling at that scene is also great so those are the two that came to mind when I heard this question great answers Mikey really great answers and that is an amazing moment in film We now on, I believe uh, Stevie just joined us, so welcome. Hey there. Welcome. Are you more West than uh, Josh? I don't know, Josh. We always, I think we've been battling this for like six years now. <laughs> I don't understand how we can't know. It's, it's kind of hard with all the rivers in you know, Tectonic plates shifting. Yeah. Lots of ins, <laughs> lots of outs. Uh, the rivers. So let's, uh, let's, let's go with Josh. Give Stevie a chance to get. <laughs> they keep moving the border over. There's a. <laughs> But um, a lot of Stevie, gerrymandering. What's up? The, que- the opening question. I don't know if you saw was uh, favorite musical score in a movie and or uh, your favorite, like maybe your favorite or one of your favorite movie shots. Um, so um, I'll let Josh go first, then we'll come back to you. Okay. Uh, and then then we'll go to Pappy to finish us up. Can we get a little like technical with this question? Because like as someone who does editing and like downloads a lot of the music for this pod. There's a difference between the score and the original soundtrack or the OST, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I I was going score, but like all this, my stuff is on the soundtrack as well. I guess so. Explain so you the met- difference, Josh. I kind of wondered if Brett like asked that question on purpose, and it sounds like he did. Like the score, I don't know. The way I think of it actually is like the original soundtrack is just like everything including the popular music they play and the score is more like maybe they had a composer and it's more like the filler yeah. music but there's exceptions That's, and gray yeah. area to that yeah but you know if you want to do one or the other it doesn't matter to me i mean i was thinking score like the like a composer you know john williams stuff like that but if you know if you want to say the top gun soundtrack i mean we won't judge you kenny loggins all day Kind of yeah. wanted to say the Forrest Gump soundtrack because all oh, of our classic. parents own that CD. Oh, oh Top Gun Maverick. Oh, another, I'll give a quick shout scene. out to, I've, I've done this before on the pod, but Tron 2, the soundtrack by Daft Punk. Mm. Or the, mm. the score by Good soundtrack. One. Gosh, the score by Daft Punk. It's great. It's amazing. Find someone who's equal or slightly better than you at ping pong and turn that soundtrack on full blast <laughs> and play them. <laughs> Shout yeah, out Josh, chance. brother-in-law. But favorite shot in a movie. There's a lot of great artists. Uh, Spielberg and Tarantino. A lot of indie movies we've watched on this pod and I've seen. But I want to go back. Do you guys remember the classic King Kong vs. Godzilla? The 1962 <laughs> one? Oh, yeah. There's this... I can't recall the director of that movie, sadly, at this moment. But there's a scene where... Um, King Kong is like hurt really down in the dumps but to get his energy back he bites the electric lines and when he bites that <laughs> and the electricity is passing through his teeth charging up his little mammal brain it's amazing cinema and I can't get enough of it amazing cinema every frame of painting King Kong versus Godzilla <laughs> 
It's so good it's referenced by Richie in the 1990 miniseries of It when he's doing his stand-up. <laughs> it's that good, Mikey. <laughs> that good. It's that good. Is that the one where he drifts on his tail or no? <laughs> Just quickly, nope. jo- Brother Jordan's not on this podcast tonight, but I know that he would choose the moment when um, Billy the Kid is thrown out of the Lincoln house in a hope chest and pops out and starts killing people at the end oh. of Young Guns. The slow-mo uh, and the growl. He like yeah. yells, but it's like a growl, you know? And there's like echoing <laughs> happening. Jordan <laughs> loves that. Tom Cruise is there is in the background, I guess. <laughs> is Charlie Crawford with them? He ain't with them any longer. <laughs> I love you, Corey. Thank you. Yeah, you guys are geeking out right now. <laughs> any? Oh yeah. Anyway, last of the Mohicans. That that was all. Josh from Goshen. Thank you, Brett. <laughs> I I love tangents, man. It's all right. Uh, Stevie, you ready? Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, man, Josh threw me off with the whole score soundtrack type deal. Hmm. Whatever you're comfortable with, man. I know. I mean, it's kind of cheap, but it's not. I think the best score I've ever heard in film, I mean, it's kind of OST. It's kind of not, there's not a whole lot of music in it, but I think the score slash OST from the movie Up is probably one of the best I've ever heard in all of cinema. I absolutely love that music to death, and it's noticeable right away. I mean, everyone knows the score, like music to that movie. Especially with the beginning with Carl and Ellie Fredrickson and what they go through. Probably my favorite. Is Up that that movie that's got the second best montage of all time after Ghostbusters? It's a, yeah, it's just a through the years montage. It's sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, just, just joking. It's Michael awesome. Giacchino, he did the score for The Book of Henry. Accomplished composer. Wait, he did Up? <laughs> Accomplished. Mm-hmm. Did he also do The Batman? I think he did. I think he did. I think he hmm. did the the uh, Batman with Pattinson. The Batman. Michael Giacchino, Giacchino did Batman, so you're right. There we go. Nice, <laughs> Giacchino. That's 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 the way you pronounce it. Giacchino. However, I just did. Um, favorite right, shot from a movie. Two doozies of a question, really. Yeah, Hard. these are like. I know, and I've been thinking about it a lot today, and it's such a hard thing to land on. I would ask your favorite. Brian's other suggestion was favorite DDL movie, but I think I know what yours is, so. What do you mean, DDL? I've abandoned my child. Yeah. Daniel Day. Yeah. Daniel uh, Day Lewis. Yeah. It will be Blood, definitely my favorite DDL movie. Favorite shot? Um. Probably, if I had just to throw a random one out there. It's a movie we've done, too, and I've always loved this kind of just small little shot. It's such a small thing, too. When Michael Fessbender gets found out uh, for being British in the bar in Inglorious Bastards, he does this great little thing. Mm. I mean, it's just really not even a unique shot. I just love the way it unfolds in the story when he kind of takes a drag from a cigarette and he breaks his accent. I really like how it's framed in that movie quite a bit. And it's such a small thing, but that part has always stuck out in my brain. That whole scene is crazy, so I I, I have to rewatch that again. That sounds awesome. 
Sweet. Um, before we get to our last person, Pappy, I got a question. Have you ever been to Kentucky? Have I? Before? Yeah. I don't think so. No. Oh. Uh, this is Pappy. Never <laughs> been to Kentucky. Uh, let's see. Uh, favorite score? Well, first of all, I'm just glad we can finally say last of the Mohicans without having to beep yeah. it out per Josh's <laughs> rules. Uh, relief. Score? I mean, the one I listen to the most is Phantom Thread. I don't know if it's my favorite score, but it's there's like four or five songs on that soundtrack that I, are like my deep focus music, so I really like that. Um, honorable mention, Close Encounters of a Third Kind, just like for the way that it's used within the movie, right? The brr, 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 brr classic another john williams one favorite shot i don't know i mean like i have like a whole folder on my hard drive of like frames of movies that i really like but like yeah i don't know favorite shot i would probably say i think stevie's seen this movie i don't know if anybody else has but it's like the same concept of birdman or um that what was that movie the the war one brett that you really 1917. like. 1917. Yeah, it's like the same concept, but it's a Alfred Hitchcock movie called Rope. Rope. And it's like way back in the 60s, but it's like the whole movie of Rope is one shot, basically. So I'm going to say that. It's like a 70-minute a movie. There's definitely hidden cuts, but when you're watching it, it feels like one shot, and that movie fucking rules. We, on my short list for spoilers. We'll do it someday. Rope. Eight shots. Rope. Yeah. <laughs> it's on my watch list, so. Jimmy Stewart, great movie. Mm-hmm. I have a little rope magnet on my fridge I'm really fond of. Cool. Does anybody else have anything to add before we get into this? Yeah. Shoot, Josh. I wonder how like, how near does Brother Brian hold Last of the Mohicans to his heart? And maybe uh, in the rest of the trilogy we've done, too, Like, does he have an order therein? Good question. What are we dealing with here? Uh, What's the sensitivity level? I mean, he he knows you guys. I mean, I mean, you named it least of the Mohicans earlier, so it's not like it's going to be shocking if you dislike this movie. It might be to the audience, but I mean, I think they can get it just because of how he's asking. Um, I know he told me the other day, and I'm kind of the same way, is that he watches like the end of this movie like every six months. What about Robin Hood versus Patriot versus Ooh. this though? Um, Which one of those is his favorite? It's a Mohican standoff. <laughs> I honestly, we grew up probably watching Robin Hood the most. Um, but I think he'd also said he hadn't seen it in a while. I, I really don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, you know what? I don't know. I'm sorry. Brother Brian comment on the episode. Let us know. Yeah. Let us know. I'll see if he's up, but I doubt it. Call him, put him on speaker. Yeah, we need that engagement. He's not going to answer right now. He can just comment on the episode in like five months when it comes out. It's fine. <laughs> Dang. Jo- I mean, Josh, just do just do you, I guess. It doesn't matter. I mean, you just said the opening wedding scene in The Godfather is boring. So, you know. Damn. It's not like it's not like we can take your opinion seriously right now. So Don't bring in the pre-pod warm-ups. Damn. Just warm up my wasn't voice. supposed to hear that. Oh shit! Oh no! Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Stevie probably would have had more to say to Corey when he brought up the ho- a hook. So kind of good <laughs> that he wasn't there yeah. for that either. But because he, like Corey and I, and maybe Josh are hook it's lovers. It's just the eating scene that ruins it for me. I, I just can't. They're stand eating it. Play-Doh. 
Yo, that Play-Doh looks hella good. I didn't want to say this the last pod about like quotable things, but I quote Hook a lot during the winter time. <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, when I wake it's up, snowing. if it's snowing, I scream, it's snowing just like Toodles did before he lost his marbles or when he lost his marbles. So I quote Hook. I just hate the eating scene. He lost right? him good. Yeah. He showed it. These are his marbles. When the the little big kid rolls into a ball, it's like the most ridiculously funny and awful thing at the same time. It's so good. <laughs> it's insane. Plus, the soundtrack. All right, let's actually get into this movie. I'm trying to think. So we're in, where, where are we, Stevie? 1756 or something like that? We start? 1756 during the uh, original World War One. Yeah, the uh, French and Indian War, which is part of the larger uh, Seven-Year War. I think that's more of a... Uh, Name they added on maybe later just because French and Indian War A doesn't make sense. They're on the same side, right? Like <laughs> Yes, but as you can see in this movie as well, the Native American tribes, Indian tribes, they they sided with either or so I feel like that's really effective English propaganda. Oh, it's the French and Indian War. We had nothing <laughs> to do with it. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. That, Not I mean, a thing, boys. Definitely possible, but <laughs> Wait, Stevie, why did you call it the original World War One or whatever? Yeah, because it went. I mean, it was the entire globe, the two world powers, pretty much. I mean, we had uh, conflicts in uh, South America, the Caribbean, Europe, Africa, and the Philippines. Like everyone was involved in this shit for. I think it was. I mean, not just seven years. I think it was around nine years. All right, so this movie starts somewhat similar to The Patriot, just on a different side. Uh, they're both kind of trying to round up the militia. Now, the militia ends up being a much less. Uh, not as big a storyline in this movie as in The Patriot. And again, those are a little different time period. So um, it starts off with the militia kind of all gathering at, uh, I don't remember their names, uh, Cameron's house. James Cameron, I believe mm -hmm. his name is. And it's kind of doing what they did in The Patriots. Like, hey, who's going to fight? Hey, I'm not going to fight, but I'm okay if you fight. But basically, uh, Pappy, what's like the one thing the militia's like? We'll join if we can yeah, do this. I mean, the militia... Doesn't really. I mean, they are subjects of the crown, but they're more worried about protecting their own homestead, right? And and you got. I think this is like one of the things that makes yep. this movie awesome is like a lot of these people who are fighting and dying in this war, including like all the native people. They're just like collateral damage swept up in this war that's like started thousands of miles away in a different continent, you know. And yeah. I think Michael Mann, which. This feels like the, one of the least Michael Manny movies that we've done for this podcast, and we've done quite a few. Um, I like it, but I think he's trying to paint a picture of like they had like an idealistic relationship, right? Like the homesteaders or like whatever these are, like the yeoman farmers, whatever you'd call them. They're just like chilling, playing lacrosse with the native people. It seems to be like a picturesque relationship. Just to yes and that, Pappy. There's no pretense with Daniel Day-Lewis and the settlers or any of the Indians that, like, they can rise up and defeat the these, like, French or English forces. Mm -hmm. They even call them, like, the English and French fathers or something, yeah. which seems really weird. Yeah, fathers, yeah. But I do kind of like that, too, about the movie, Pat, because it's, like, they're very realistic. A, a big part of this movie is, like, it's an inescapable situation or something, right? Right, yeah. And another thing I like, too, is, like, Michael Mann has obviously seen a lot of movies. You know, movies, I feel like particularly up until the 90s, Stevie, 
Like, I feel like the 90s are when things turned around for, like, Native Americans in movies. You know what I mean? It was a big Native American decade for cinema. It was. This was big for that. They, I think they brought in, like, 900 extras from all over the country. Mm-hmm. Native American extras. So it was, like, really big. And you got Wes Studi, who's just, like, a legend. He's awesome and everything. He actually becomes, uh, I believe, a Michael Mann, like, regular I haven't seen Heat in a long time, but I know he's in that. He is in it. Mm-hmm. But even with that opening scene, Brett, it's like the Native Americans are coming up to the house, like, and the guy, James Cameron, gets his gun. You like you think it's going to be like a conflict, but no, they love each other. You know, they're all super tight. Yeah. I, I like that a lot. So, yeah, at the very beginning, uh, you know, there's a throwaway uh, hunter scene. Well, you actually, I don't know, I guess it builds a little tension or excitement. You think, oh, who are they chasing after? But they're just killing a deer, and then, you know, they pray to be forgiven by but so you meet the three Mohicans three I, Mohicans I say with quotes um, you got Chingachgook let's see uh, that's probably as best as that's I'm going to pronounce it um, I'll just call him that was good. just call him Chingy alright that's good that's fine I like it when you do that right um, you have you have his natural son Uncas uh, who for people who know the movie Tom and Huck was the the villain. I think it's Engine, Engine Joe. Engine Jim? Engine Joe. Yikes. Um and then you have uh his white his white son <laughs> who uh, uh that's what Ching Gotchgook calls him. My white son. They're, they're the Avengers, Brett. You got the three guys <laughs> that are the Avengers of this movie. There's Hawkeye, yeah. Warpath, <laughs> and <laughs> And, uh, who's the other guy? I don't know. Who's an old superhero? Mermaid Man and Mermaid Man. Hawkeye, yeah. Warpath, and Mermaid Man. I, all I got is really Hawkeye. The rest I had to wing there. Funnily enough, does anybody know what uh, Hawkeye and Nathaniel Poe's name in the books are? Natty Bumpo. Yeah, Natty Bumpo, which they purposely changed to Nathaniel Poe because they didn't want people to laugh when they heard Natty Bumpo. That's cool. I kind of like Natty Bumpo. The snowman could have mm-hmm. taken a page out of their book. Old Harry Hole. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. Is there that his go. name? Oh, man. Detective Harry Hole. So, yeah, they're, they're, uh, Uncas and Chingachgook are the last two Mohicans. And uh, you find out a little bit later that Hawkeye, we'll call him Hawkeye, um, he was found by some French traders and he was adopted by Chingachgook and he raised them as his own and uh, sent them both to school. So that's why they're kind of educated. Uh, they know how to speak and they know how to do a lot of stuff. And I believe in the book, um, this comes up later, but uh, Nathaniel Poe's gun is called Killdeer. And he is known as La Long Carabine, uh, which means the, the long rifle, I believe. So Carabine or carbine or carabine. But I guess in uh, one one video game that's popular. There's a gun called La Long Carabine, and I, I don't, I don't know what video it is, but what game it is. Hmm. I'm wondering if you've listened to spoilers long enough. I feel like we've levied these kind of complaints before, but we have this fascinating premise where we have this like nuclear family, the last of the Mohicans, and essentially the movie is about Daniel Day Lewis, like the white one. Is that a complaint that you guys are feeling? During the social this movie Josh at all. just no. warriors back. I, I do no, want to comment not, on that. He's coming in hot. I'm not saying I'm all pissed no. about it. I just could see that argument pop, cropping up, and I'm wondering. 
I have a take on this. Uh, well, not exactly answering what you're asking, Josh, but the movie kind of like plays a trick on you. The movie at the beginning is almost maybe indicating like that we're just going to have this white guy play Native American. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then like 30 minutes in, they're like, gotcha. They just raised yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm watching this movie with my wife and she says, are we to believe that this guy is a Native American? And I said, well, you'll just have to wait. But, you know, audience is seeing this for the first time. You got to have that thought, right? Mm-hmm. For as Irish as he is, he looks kind of native. You know what I mean? I asked Stevie, he's like, does he have any native in him? Like, I know he's supposed to be white within the movie. Uh, but to answer, I mean, Josh, I would say it's like, I think that's like representative of what Michael Mann's trying to do, right? Like, he's saying what could have been these integrated societies of like the farmers and the white people with the native people had it not been for these like big super European superpowers, you know, I feel like it's like for a thematic reason. That's not, not bad. I don't mind it at all. It works. That's a good point. They don't really talk about it either, but the only people that are living out in like the wilderness of colonial America beyond like cities are extremely poor people. Mm -hmm. They do Um, mention that. Yeah, so I mean, like, it kind of makes sense that the natives and, like, these, you know, poor colonials kind of have to get along. Josh, to answer your question, that's not something... I think when I was a kid, I thought he was supposed to be because I didn't really understand it. Uh, but I, I... I don't know. I mean, I feel like you're kind of supposed to know, but or at least guess, but he is... his. He's Jewish. His mother's Jewish, so maybe olive skin or something. I don't, I don't know, but maybe maybe he's tanned. He also lived in the wilderness for three to four months before this movie was... <laughs> of course he because did. Because he's, <laughs> yep. he's freaking Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> Why would he? Was, he was literally... He literally learned That's how awesome. to make a canoe. He made a canoe, and he was a smoker, and he refused to smoke real cigarettes, so he rolled his own cigarettes. Hey! Because that's what they did. Just like us in college. In we rolled our own cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was a big smoker. Doesn't he like still do woodworking to this day? Is the canoe the start of that? I actually believe I I, I listen to a lot of the stuff that I'm going to say. It comes from the rewatchables, um, but I think like he literally learns these skills um, in movies, and yeah, I think he has them for the rest of his life because he's I mean he's probably brilliant, I'm sure, and he. I mean, if you know anything about DDL, he does. He doesn't do anything halfway. He's, he's he gets into it. So, uh, I mean, he's allowed to. He's he's the best one. So yeah, I mean, I I think he's the. I, honestly, I think he's the greatest living actor. I, you got the uh, the Jared Leto types that do the method thing, and it's stupid and annoying. But <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis gets a pass, in my opinion, because it's just that good. I could see Jared Leto doing the dumbest shit to prepare for a role. <laughs> Like, some of us not even cool. Like, Jerry Leto slept upside down for three months preparing for Morbius. Hey. No, it would have to be something where he torments someone else. Hey, he's fantastic <laughs> in Morbius, okay? Don't don't disparage him for his Jared Morbius. Jerry Leto scalped his co-stars <laughs> to prepare for his role. And- <laughs> he keeps choosing cult leader roles. Why? Because <laughs> he is one. What's weird about this DDL movie is I don't really think about DDL being an action star but this is like a very like action starry type movie oh, you know like yeah also for sure he he actually learned 
how to fight with a, a, an army colonel. He just learned how to use weapons and stuff like that. And that's one of the cool things about the very beginning is he's running and he looks like he knows how to run. Like he's in really good shape. He's pretty shredded. And yeah, he is. He could have become, I mean, it's kind of the, the, um, the brilliance and the sadness of uh, Daniel Day-Lewis is that he could have been the most prolific, amazing actor ever. But I mean, what did he do? Like eight full movies after this? Like no exaggeration. He doesn't do a lot. Yeah. Is he retired mm-hmm. again? Yeah. He were Phantom Thread. I think he retired, but like he could have been an action star. He could have been, they, they were talking to rewatchables. Like he could have been awesome. I think maybe in the Pacino role in Heat, like he would have been, he would have been a little young, but. You know, he could have been linked to Michael Mann, but he just didn't want to be like that. And he, like, if Leonardo DiCaprio's choosy with his roles, then DDL's like a whole nother level. You know, it's awesome and sad, but you do get amazing performances. Like, Gangs of New York's not a great movie because Cameron Diaz doesn't know how to act in that movie, but he's amazing <laughs> in it. And, and I think anyone who's seen There Will, Will Be Blood, I mean, that's like a performance that, you have rarely ever seen uh, anybody. I mean, it's it's just so natural for him. He's just so amazing. And now I thought Phantom Thread was kind of a boring turd of a movie, but you know he's he's really <laughs> the good. Score's in it. really good. You just haven't listened to the score, Brett. You got to listen to the score. <laughs> All the Phantom Thread haters out there, you haven't listened to the score. <laughs> yeah, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't know Hook until you've heard the score. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm glad that he play, is playing an actual American. Uh, I, I, you know what I mean? A white person, I guess I could say. And that he's not trying to be like the third Bohican, because that would have been bad. Uh, and it would have been really weird to bring in 900 Native American actors and then hire a white person. Who used to do that back in old Hollywood? Was like Chuck Connors? There's an actor who always took on like Native American roles, and he was white as day. Didn't John Wayne play Genghis Khan? In a movie. Oh, yes. my <laughs> lord. Have you seen, have you heard about that movie? Like how cursed that movie was and how many people like died? Everybody got cancer. What? Radiation poisoning. Everybody got cancer from that movie. It's how everybody what? died. What was going on? What were Oof. they doing? They did it like on a nuclear bomb site. Yeah, they did it like we're out in like Nevada or Arizona or whatever where they were doing nuclear bombs and like so many people got sick from radiation and yeah, it was bad. That's how John Wayne died. But anyway, so we meet the three Mohicans. You meet People that you think are going to be parts of the movies, but they're literally in like two scenes and then they die later. And then you meet the two girls, uh, Cora and I think Alice. Uh, Stevie, can you like describe them a little bit, what they're like and who they're related to and all that stuff like that? Um, they're the daughters of Colonel Monroe, yes? Yep. They are rather prissy, very naive of the new world that is colonial America. Um... And they seem to have, in the beginning, the British attitude of that Native Americans are godless heathens. And the fun part about this movie, it's a really fun role, it's a person that exists in everyday life for some people, though, is the um, the side friend character of a female. He, he's never going to get with her, but he holds out hope no matter what. Yeah. And it's hilarious <laughs> to watch that drama play out in this movie. You can talk about him. It was, what's his Duncan. name? Is it Duncan? Yeah. Duncan. Simp. <laughs> He is yes, simp for sure. Yo, he's a simp, not just for um Corey. He's a simp for the crown. 
Big oh, crown yeah. guy. Big I crown. So you hanged. Yeah. Yeah. He's a huge he's douchebag. The worst. And I mean, he's you know Mr. Britain through and through. If there's Captain America, he's Mr. Britain. <laughs> and just the worst. And his death is one of my favorite parts of this whole movie. Oh God. <laughs> He does go out like a champ, though. It is a movie trope. Should have let him burn. Should have let him burn, boys. He saved, let him cook. He saved them all. Let him cook. But to Stevie's point, he's literally talking crap to the general at the beginning. No, and like the thing is, is he doesn't know his place. No. He's like a. He, I mean, he's cocksureful of himself, great, but also, I just. I think it's interesting we have a character like this, is I feel like this kind of person exists in life. And it's interesting to watch it in a movie like this. And it's somewhat at the same time still feels or, or still feels organic. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, the first yes, one. Yes, Josh. Who's who's Kara Knightley first supposed to marry? It's it's that whole scene, right? Commodore Norrington. <laughs> but she's yeah, in love with William Turner. <laughs> Yeah, you f- you're feeling that vibe, Pappy. It's that same kind of layout, exact same dynamic. I actually I thought of that too. Yeah, and I don't know. I know we hate Duncan. I think he's probably like one of the best developed characters in the movie, though. Oh yeah, no, he has some, a really good arc, in my opinion. Let him cook. Yeah, I'm fine with that. But also, it's like I don't know. Like he plays this <laughs> turd of a guy really, really well, and like I know what he wants and everything. I, I don't know. He's a good like like when he's in the boats. And they're escaping. He's like, "I'll still see you hanged." Like it's, still, it's yeah. <laughs> let it go, dude. Focus on the rowing. By authority of the crown, arrows are whizzing yeah. by his head. You can like bring this up <laughs> later, guy. Not right now. He's like your prototypical like uh, stuck-up British guy for sure, and he plays it really, really well. It is odd that he seems willing to die a couple times during the movie. It's not just at the end. Go ahead. What's, what's well, some other I, ones? I feel like you wanted to wait till we get to it, and I think that's fair. Sorry, Brett. No, what you, underneath the waterfall? Is that what you're talking about? That part? You coward! Yeah, and there's the other time where he's like, when they're trying to surrender at the fort, and he's like, tell them to fuck off and we'll go die mm-hmm. in the fort. That's fine. Yeah. And I, yeah. I thought he was bluffing, and then at the end, it's like, oh, this guy is willing to, da- to die for these. Oh, like, I think he's brave for sure. I think he proves that. Like, he's all about, he'll die for the cause. The crown. Uh, for the crown. That was a hell Down of a with deal, the man. Cause. Yeah. You get to walk out with your guns? That's pretty nice deal. It's a gentleman's war. Major Duncan Hayward reporting, sir, on route to Fort William Henry and bearing dispatches. Safe journey, I trust? Yes, and I didn't experience anything so surprising from Bristol to Albany as that that I witnessed here today. What's that? The Crown negotiating the terms of service. I know. One has to reason with these colonials to get them to do anything. Tiring, isn't it? But that's the lay of the land. I thought British policies make the world England. So. So, yeah, he, he loves Cora. Sister Alice is kind of like uh, really naive, like, like Stevie said. Um, we meet a, air quotes, Mohawk named Magua, who, I don't know, I think... He's just so good in this movie. He's such a good... I won't say bad guy because... I mean, we'll maybe talk about it later, but this is the woke... The wokest I'll get tonight is... This is a kind of a movie where... You know, it's hard to root for anybody, really, but except maybe the the, uh, the Mohicans because, you know, they're all kind of 
Magua has a revenge story. Like, he has a reason. I mean, he's a bad person, in my opinion, but he's at least got a reason. And, you know, you could argue about the French. and So they're all kind of bad, but I think Magua's so bad, you can't really root for the Huron. But anyway, so he's supposed to take the daughters and the small little bit of soldiers to uh, the fort, which is what? uh, Fort William Henry uh, in the... Adirondack Mountains. I don't really know where those are. Like as good as I am at geography, I'm terrible with like mountains and stuff. But I'm guessing it's somewhere on the East Coast. I think like upstate New York. York. There we go. Yeah. So they're going from Albany to there, and they didn't actually shoot there because apparently Michael Mann thought that upstate New York was too modernish. So I believe they actually shot in North Carolina, but. Because it's hard to shoot movies Doesn't like that. Matter. One of the best parts of the movie is the outside. Like, this looks yeah. and feels like how I would imagine this time. You know, there's multiple ambushes in this movie. The first one kind of comes out of nowhere. This is where you first kind of find out about um, Magua and what his whole kind of thing is. Mikey, can you kind of walk us through what happens when they're walking through the forest and, you know, the girls are tired and He's kind of talking crap under his breath in different languages and stuff like that. And then kind of what happens. Yeah, the girls want to take a break because uh, it's hot or whatever. And Mog was like, <laughs> yeah, we'll take one up up here uh, <laughs> in like two miles or something. And the British guy is like, let's just take one right here. Uh, and then Magua like curses him out. or I don't know. He doesn't curse him out, but he's just like, you're a fucking idiot or whatever. Uh, under his breath and then uh he kind of falls back uh and then they they meet up with a bunch of other indians and ambush these guys um there's the whole movie is just a bunch of ambushes so i i'm okay with that but if i don't know if you guys caught this and they do bring it up on rewatchables but i notice it every time um the guy he ends up killing like when he sees him he's so like oh hey like Nice to meet you. Like, right before he gets killed. If you go back and watch it, he's just, like, smiles at him and, like, almost seems pumped to talk to him. And then he gets a tomahawk to the head or wherever Yeah, Mago killed the nicest guy first, you know? He <laughs> Definitely. Picked, he... That's, a smart, that's, that's a smart way, He apparently. singled him out. He said, this motherfucker's too nice. I thought there was way more scalping in this movie as well. I, I don't... I, I think I only counted one. Uh, a couple, I think, but... Not as much as Legends of the Fall, I don't think. That's what. Uh, oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, that's a pretty brutal movie. Corey brought that up earlier. There's a lot of scalping in there, right? Right, Corey? Oh, yeah, they'd be scalping. The townspeople in this movie have such low HP. If they were like World of Warcraft players, the townsfolk, they just get killed in like one hack. <laughs> they have no defenses. Like, at one point, <laughs> one of the Native Americans runs out of the woods screaming. From like twenty yards away, and the townsfolk just like holds a barrel and watches it <laughs> until he barrels buries the hatchet into his face. <laughs> not and not figuratively, he literally buries the hatchet into his face. So, yeah, and of course we see the awful British fighting style, which is almost comical in this movie because they're you know they're like, oh hey, we're gonna shoot you in about seven seconds. Hold on, and they have them all line up, <laughs> and they literally show. The Huron hide behind the trees before the shots come. It's like 
that's uh, one of the reasons, obviously, you see the Patriots. Like, that's how America beat them is because they use better fighting styles. But it's just so bad. I can't believe they did that for so long. Uh, I can't believe that was just war back then. But they are all about to die. And then, Corey, uh, who saves them? I mean, what happens here? The Avengers show up, man. Yep. <laughs> They're here to yep. save the day. Uh, one thing about this movie is that I think it's like 75% Daniel Day-Lewis running while holding a rifle. We've seen it before <laughs> at this point in the movie, and we see it again. Looks pretty cool. It's a hero shot. It's pretty cool. I mean, there's a reason why it's like the cover of the DVD, and it's the main poster, right? This guy is always running, holding that rifle. Uh, but him and his crew, they show up, they rescue uh, the last people to live, which aren't the soldiers. It's the, the two women. Well, and I guess one soldier, Duncan, the simp guy. You know, they were tracking this war party. He's a good fighter, they though. they are here to save the day. What's uh, Chingashkook running with? Like a a shard of Megatron uh, or I, something? I always, <laughs> what the fuck is that thing? <laughs> it's, so, it's, so, it's so good. Uh, I don't know what... I I mean, there's definitely... It's sharp on one side. It's got it's like a nerf poker axe. on it. But in D and D, it would be counted as an exotic weapon. You have to have like a special <laughs> yeah. ability to wield it. <laughs> it's at least purple. It's it's super rare. I thought it was a gun. I thought it was a gun that he uh, like carved, like it made Into sharp on one side. But I don't think it is. Like I'm looking at it right now. It's just so weird looking. But I thought it was Nerf. Nerf axe. He wreaks havoc on people with that thing. It's Nerf. Great. Or nothing. <laughs> okay. But, uh, yeah, so I don't know what it's called. Josh, you just painted a very interesting picture for me of, like, a Nerf war with, like, Nerf guns, but then someone has, like, a Nerf knife in their belt, and they, like, take it out, and they slit <laughs> someone's throat with it. <laughs> Another guy has, like, a Nerf axe. And like, yeah, a Nerf morning star just <laughs> winging it around. <laughs> It's, here it's called uh, a Blue War Club. So it's supposed to look like wood, but it's made of foam rubber with a metal armature. So, yeah, I've never seen anything like it before or after, but it's pretty cool. Like, if you look at close-up views of it, that's like a really sharp blade. So it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, it works, though. So, yeah, they come in and save the day, and uh, Hawkeye is like, you don't want to go to the fort. Uh, we need to head back. We need to double back because they're going to gonna kill us. But when they get back to their buddy's house, they're all dead. It's kind of, it's not, a, it kind of invokes that scene in the Patriot when they go back and everyone's dead. And this is kind of when you get your first uh, example of Korra not really getting what it's like to live on in this situation because She's like, I don't care who they are or what, they deserve a Christian burial. And Hawkeye's like, we need to go. And she basically calls him, what does she call him? Um, Callus and she calls him something, but she's really mad that she thinks he doesn't care about them. And then he, he does a good line, which I love. He's like, uh, they, they aren't strangers that basically say we need to go. So she thinks she's just being a really big jerk, but. He doesn't want to leave a trail, which he tells her later, kind of their first bonding moment. They're out like in on the stars, kind of hiding. And he explains to them who they are, his, his childhood, 
his whole story that we talked about earlier. Shit. He finds out he's that a white shit guy. That did it for her. Like, is that, what did she say? Like, like, I've never had my blood pumping like this before. Like, just just that one moment of him explaining all of a sudden she's like all fucking in on Hawkeye. Found myself yeah. a project. What a terrible person, though. It takes witnessing like dozens of people brutally killed that day to like stir her English blood. <laughs> I don't understand that. Gets her loins going. <laughs> Maybe I'm a terrible person, but I do think if there's any place this movie dips a little bit, where even maybe you may find some fault with DDL, is like this relationship between him and Cora. I don't see too much chemistry here. It's a little, it's the roughest part of the movie. Can we, can you at least agree to that, Brett? Or is that too much? I guess, but it's, it's, the, I mean, it is a love story. It's a love story out in the frontier, so I guess if that doesn't work for you, I could see how... I think they have good chemistry. You could say that there's not enough scenes to show them uh, kind of getting like that, but... Is it a physical kind of chemistry, mostly? I don't know. I think they have good acting chemistry, but if you don't, I, that's fine, too. I mean, this is really early in the movie, so... I mean, they've only had a couple interactions, and most of them have been, like, yelling at each other, so... I mean, how can a woman not fall for this guy instantly? You see the size of his gun? It's huge. Can you blame her, Josh? Got abs. Have you seen him run? We see his taint at one point in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he gets pushed down when he when he meets back up with Cora after they're taken by Magua. <laughs> it'll, it'll be on the spoilers yeah, Instagram. Yeah, we'll show Look it. <laughs> you guys will see it later. Is it is? Blatant as Tom Cruise Tate oh, yes. and Legend. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. I thought you were going to bring up Natalie Portman again. Finest of tanks. Oh, yeah, that's a little different. But, yeah, so, I, yeah, I mean, I could see how that doesn't work for you. Like, it's not me. When I grown up, I love the, the action of this movie. So the love story isn't as much to me. But, like, that is kind of the underlying theme is, I don't know, a love story, I suppose. So. Yeah, like in the same way that the Terminator is, right? Well, yeah, it's a kind of the same thing. I, I don't know if you're joking or not, but I'm not. They don't. They kind of happens. Kind of, it's so much uh, not hatred, but they don't trust. He, she doesn't trust him early on, and there's a lot of bad blood. But like a flip, a switch flips, and all of a sudden they love each other. Well, he's obviously loved her since he, he met a uh, star picture, but it is like that. You know, that's that's a good example. But like. While it's a a, a big storyline, I mean, it's drowned by all the action and the the music and the sound and all that stuff like that. So I, I get that, Josh. To me, it's never been my favorite yeah. part, but I, I do think it's a good part of the movie. But I think it's this one part where Daniel Day Lewis just says, "She's like, what are you looking at?" And he's like, "I'm looking at you." And then he walks away, and she's just like, "Ooh, like <laughs> I don't know." I feel like I'm with you, Josh. I think there could have been a little bit more of like bonding time maybe i think it's more like i see through you i thought that's kind of what he was saying like avatar like avatar <laughs> there we go <laughs> what are you looking at sir i'm looking at you miss so uh, there's a little bitty part uh during the first ambush that uh, comes back around later mike was about to shoot cora and uh, hawkeye kind of saves him saves her and then he's kind of baffled by, do you know him? She's like, I never met him. She's like, why would he want to kill you? And you find out, you find out later, it's just because Mago wants to kill 
the white the white hair, the gray hair, and kill his seed and everything like that. So his seed. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> that was good. Uh, but that does come up later, I guess. You find I don't know why if he blood revenge, man. Yeah, no, for sure. And he explains that later. Ooh, that is DDL taint. Thank you, Mikey, for sending. Oh, <laughs> is it on the TV? Yeah. <laughs> I like how the subtitle says oh, grunts. The, uh... <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> We're going to do a side-by-side analysis with Legend Tom Cruise, but... Uh... Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to get my bearings, so that's his, his leg and his other leg is oh, on the that's bottom? that's his leg, all right, but... Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a leg in there. There's a third leg in there, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, nice, Mikey. Good good catch. And, Pappy, you're right. This freaking says grunts. <laughs> that's got to go on IG. That's going to be lit for sure. <laughs> it's so funny. That I didn't. I've seen this movie 15 times. Brittany's giving me the dirtiest <laughs> look right now. Um, She doesn't even know we're talking about Taint either. She doesn't love this movie, so. So they end up, they're going to go to Fort Henry. Uh, and I don't know, I think this is cool camera work. The, the, the bombs in the background flying around. and um, So they sneak into this fort. And Is YouTube really dark? I'm watching this movie on YouTube. Some of these scenes get into Fort Henry. Whew, just a little bit of want, blue. What do you want, Josh? It's 1700s colonial America. Don't what do you want? Don't get the floodlights on, okay? The cameras weren't that good. <laughs> I mean, you wanted to light it up like Helm's Deep? What do you want? Good point, Stevie. Good point. They didn't want to use lights that much because they wanted it to look natural. I mean, they're firing off painted basketballs left and right. What do you want? Definitely. Stevie knows his stuff. But, Stevie, so why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us what's going on at the fort. A lot of trench digging. Um, a lot of mortars. Mordor. Uh, a lot of Scooby, a lot of Scooby doing around, so they can get into the fort, so we can continue our love story. There's a couple Scooby Doo shots in this movie. Describe the Scooby Doo shot. Yeah, what do you mean Scooby Doo shot? Okay, uh, I mean I was I was right to the, almost the very end of this movie, but I don't know. Just the them, like put like in the water, pushing the canoe towards the fort, just seems kind of Scooby Dooish to me. But also, like the biggest Scooby Doo part to me is this very small part, but. It looks ridiculous if you watch it like again and again like I did. Where they go over that little waterfall when they're like getting oh, chased at the end in the canoes is such a ridiculous shot. It just looks so <laughs> weird. It, it looks weird. It looks like, okay, this movie was made in like 92, 93, 94. It, that scene that you're talking about, I know exactly what you're talking about. It looks like it was filmed in 1982. Like it's so... It's a it Scooby-Doo shot. It, it stands Scooby out so much. It's crazy. I, I, I can't believe it. I'm with you. Yeah, it, it's like if you put like Shaggy, Velma, and Scooby on a canoe, it'd be like, oh yeah, that Zoinks, there. a waterfall. Um, but <laughs> well, the waterfall is like no! it's like too big for them to actually go down in that canoe, so they had to like fix it in editing. But it's too small. <laughs> it, it's it's a weird. It's it's the one shot in this movie that I hate. Yeah, like with all of like all of my body, like I really hate it. If you just cut that little part out, you're like, oh okay, they're still in the water. Nothing happened. Like, it's great. But um, the fort is pretty cool. One thing I think this movie does great is showing that war is, I feel like in a lot of movies past this, there's a lot of kind of um, kind of like a cleanliness to war. And this just looks dirty and muddy and what it is. There's nothing clean about it. 
I like how they're fighting at night. I think that is awesome. Yeah. It really stands out and they're shooting off the mortars. And you can see like, the propulsion smoke and the basketball is flying in the air, glowing orange. <laughs> it looks, it looks awesome. really neat. Um, what? He's on fire. No, I love the they basketballs. They painted basketballs black. <laughs> they painted them black. That's I funny. think it's really neat. That's cool. They, they were actually firing shit. That's cool. I love it. Um, yeah. And I also... I wish they would have shown kind of more loyalists in the movie besides like the one guy we see in the beginning who's all about the militia. And they only show like three of them. Because uh, like I brought this up in the Patriot pod, like later on down the road past this, even in like the Revolutionary War, like the loyalists w- greatly outnumbered the, the rebellion when it came to the Revolutionary War. So I kind of wish they would have shown more like colonial loyalists in the militia, but... Neither here nor there. I just think that guy's only part in the movie is to be like, I'm all about the militia. Then like, I gotta get the fuck out hey guys, of the militia. Guys, guys, guys! I'm the militia. <laughs> See me? I'm all about uh, it. I need who to are home. my who 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 knows Saved by the Bell here? Principal Belding's in this? No, but his brother is the militia guy. The guy, his brother. Do you remember really? when he comes in and he he wants to take them whitewater rafting, but he leaves them for a stewardess? That's the main <laughs> militia guy who's like, I'm going back home. <laughs> I can't remember his name. I thought I wanted this war, but I want out. He's like, if the English aren't, if they're being hypocrites and aren't obeying their own laws, then there ain't nothing but tyrants. Is it that guy? Yeah. Little, little and I won't have I tyranny like like or taxation guy. without representation. <laughs> it makes you think, don't it? <laughs> I want to live in a land of the free and the brave. Give me liberty or give me death. <laughs> Write that down. Write that down. Write that down. <laughs> That man's name, Paul Revere. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> also, Pete Postlewaite? Is that how you say his last name? Postlewaite, yeah. He's in, like, all of a sudden he popped up. I'm like, holy shit. And he's only in it for like that one part to arrest Hawkeye. Did you see his actual death? I don't think I did. I may have missed that. He gets like taken down pretty easily during that last ambush. And he just gets hacked to death pretty much, so... Yeah, it's it's pretty brutal for him, but yeah, he's a. Uh, I like him. He's a good actor. Liked him, but we'll get to that. Oh. So yeah, I, I'm with you, Stevie. I think Ominous. I think uh, <laughs> I think the shooting at night is was awesome looking. Like I feel like night war scenes are like really underrated. Like think about it like that. Helms mm-hmm. Deep, they're like really awesome. They stick out, and if you do it right, they can look incredible. I think they like I 1917 think, looked awesome mm-hmm. at night. Yes. That and then that scene like during the dusk, no dawn, like I remember Pappy's like that's just the scene of the year. Like they're yeah, in that the old church abandoned thing. town. Yeah, I love mm-hmm. that. It's like it's dark, but then the sun starts coming up. It just looks absolutely mm-hmm. incredible. Um, I wish more people would do that, but I don't know. Maybe it's hard. I'm guessing it's hard. Um, there's a famous story from this movie. I don't know if it's true, but I've heard it multiple places where like they would work really long hours. Like you guys know, like Michael Mann's apparently like. Kind of a psycho, like he's a hard worker. He works people like crazy. Uh, apparently, like they were shooting on this castle for so this fort for so long that eventually start being like, "Turn that light out! Who's got the light on? Where's that coming from?" And they're like, "He said though. He said, what's that orange light? Turn out that orange light!" And then someone came over the speaker saying, "That's the sun, Michael." <laughs> so, um, like he was so they worked so long hours and they were he was so into it. He didn't realize the sun was up, and he just thought it was a light that was ruining his shot. So, um, I love Michael Mann's like meticulous attention to detail, and like I said, I love like the sets and everything. 
It really makes you think too, like the it, these forts are just made out of wood, you know, like lumber, right? Like someone just built these forts there, and they're full of gunpowder. It's like these are extremely vulnerable to fire type attacks, like <laughs> fire type attacks. Oh no, they got a Charizard! Flaming oh, arrows, no. boys! Flaming arrows! They are super effective. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot happens here. I kind of want to. I don't want to spend too much time on it because this is where, like most of the dialogue is. So basically, the girls weren't supposed to show up there. I guess Magua was one of the couriers, and I, I never really paid attention to this, but I noticed. I think he killed the other two couriers in the forest, so he he didn't take that. They didn't. They didn't end up getting his letter. So they showed up at the fort. He's like, "What are you doing here? We're getting our butts kicked." Blah blah blah. Of course, Duncan's like, "Tell me what's going on." And the situation is, his guns are bigger than mine, and he has more of them. They keep our heads down while his troops dig 30 yards of trench a day. When those trenches are 200 yards from the fort and within range, you'll bring in these 15-inch mortars, lob explosive rounds over our walls and pound us to dust. They look to be 300 yards out. If they're digging 30 yards a day, you'll have three days. Damn. Damn. So they have about three days and they're like, oh man, we'll never, we'll never reach Webb. And they're like, oh, what are you talking about? Webb's only 12 miles away, so... You know, you get kind of a, I wouldn't say iconic, but iconic for this movie scene of the courier running and the bad guys are trying to kill him and Hawkeye's just blasting him with his arrows. I mean, his his gun. And I don't know, it's kind of a cool scene. If you can, like, I, I get it. I, those muskets weren't super. Um, it's, it's an understatement to say that those muskets were very accurate, but he is known in the books as being like a sharpshooter. That's why he's named the the long rifle or whatever his nickname was. I think that's kind of cool. Uh, some people might think it's corny, I guess. So the little assembly line they have where he shoots and someone else is like loading his gun, and hands it to it. Yeah, I love it. Fucking cool. Let's let's be honest. I mean, if you want to talk about those things, are take a long time to reload, and you literally never see anybody reload this movie except for the in, the Indians at the end who are about to get killed by Hawkeye and his dad. So, but. Colonel Monroe will not honor the general's promise to let them go, the militia go take care of their family uh, because he doesn't believe them, air quotes. And then Duncan's just a huge douche here. He lies because he's he's mad because Cora finally said, you know, hey, you're a, a simp. Uh, you're not for me. We're, I can only <laughs> ever see you as friends. And he's devastated. And he gets mad. He knows why. He, well, he thinks he knows why. It's because she's not into him, but it's also because she's into Hawkeye. And so he lies and says, oh, I didn't hear that. And basically, Hawkeye tells the people, hey, we're going to cause a distraction. You guys get out of here. And he gets arrested, and they're going to hang him. I don't think he lies out of spite like that, though. Just a side note. I really think he lies because... What? I think he lies because he wants the militia there to help the British cause. Like he doesn't give a fuck about their families, so he Well then he's not very good he's not very good with strategy though, then, because they basically say if they don't get reinforcements or dead, what's uh, eighteen militiamen gonna do? First of all, militiamen don't really fight that way. It's possible. I'm just I'm just making a counter argument. Uh, anybody else wanna hop in? I saw her Pappy say what? So I think, that's Stevie. See Pappy has to say. I think he was spite oh, Stevie? I think he was spiteful. Don't get yes, me wrong. Yes, that's his character. But, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. That's. It's like he had a moment of clarity, being like, "Listen, 
No, he's like, oh, no, 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 no. He's doing it to spite mm. Hawkeye. I, you know what? I, I agree with that. But I guess for Josh, I'll play devil's advocate for Josh's defense. We have been saying the whole time he is Johnny by the book. Johnny, these these people, we shouldn't have ever bartered with these people. They are our subjects and they need to be here. But that might be the case. But it's pretty obvious that to me that he's just he's spiteful. You know, he's a douche. He's used to getting his way. But I, I can see a little bit of what Josh was saying. Maybe that's part of it, but I think he's just a really mad. He's really jealous of Hawkeye at that point. Maybe he's telling the line that the colonel wants him to tell, too. You know what I mean? Like, the colonel's like, doesn't want them to leave either. Yeah, so they get threatened with sedition a couple times. I love that in movies. Um, especially, it's usually British movies where they'll say something that goes, that's treason! Or in this, like, that's sedition! They do love the word treason. Brits love saying that in movies. <laughs> that is sedition! Anyone fomenting or advocating the leaving of Fort William Henry will be hung for sedition. Sir, he is guilty of sedition. But this man is guilty of sedition. You do not know what you're saying! Yes, I do. I know exactly what I'm saying. And if it's a sedition, then I am guilty of sedition too. That leads to... Uh, they lock him up. Well, actually, are we supposed to assume that Hawkeye and Cora get, get it on in that fort? They're bumping. Definitely. Okay. I thought so. I always thought they're, so. They're but bumping. grunts. Parentheses. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, she definitely saw that tape that night. So, um, uh, that unwashed in three weeks tape. Um, <laughs> so he gets thrown in prison because they're like, we saw you, we heard you say that uh, these militia people should leave. They're gone. We're going to blame you. So they're going to hang him. But hey, Mikey, so the French come and they do what they call a parlay. And what... What kind of happens during that parlay scene? Uh, yeah, they offer the British the parlay, uh, which is just like, hey, head back to England. You can take your guns. Just remain in England. Don't come back here because the French are trying to take over North America to to uh, expand their empire. And so uh, Monroe goes back to confer with like his officers, and he's like, we're taking this deal? What's going on? And What's his name? Duncan? Duncan's like, fuck that. Let's just die <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just Duncan. totally wild. Uh, just great deal that he doesn't want any part of it. Um, but they end up taking the deal eventually. And uh, in the process, end up getting ambushed by the Huron. And yeah, it's it's not great for them. And so it's another ambush with like the same people from the beginning. I freaking love that shot. Could they have held out for Webb? Webb sent a letter that said no. Yeah. There's that letter, but I don't know. But is that a fake letter? I, 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 I don't know. I, I think it was real. I'm kind but... of feeling like Duncan had a point. Like Maybe. Best die on your own terms than go out and march through the wilderness just waiting to get. Yeah, but Webb would be like, don't you miss beans on bread? Like, don't you miss that <laughs> shitty food tea, back home? The tea, the Premier League on Saturday mornings. Come on. Come back, boys. <laughs> come on. Beans on bread. Premier League. You'll never walk alone. <laughs> Taking the tube. Taking the tube. So, yeah, I actually, he's not in it that much, but I actually, I love Montcalm in this movie. Like, I think he's really cool. Uh, the general for the French. I love his and, bow, his big fancy. <laughs> oh yeah, it's so patron, it's so patronizing too. Um, but it's also like a French flourish type of thing. So he, they do convince them, hey, 
your best bet is to surrender, and they, they say we will. He gives them uh, their terms, and he's like, you can bury your dead. But then there's two, a couple cool scenes that I like. I might have, we might have skipped one earlier. It's when you hear uh, Montcalm and Magua meet for the first time. Obviously, I think they know each other, but they're talking. Maybe they don't. And it's, it's when he kind of tells them, hey, this is why I hate the white man, a gray hair. He, what, they, they took him as a they took him as a slave or something, and his wife remarried. Something like that. I don't remember it's what like happened. It's like Castaway. Right? Yeah, he comes yeah. back, remarried. Yeah. Brutal. His kids were killed, Brutal. too. That's a that's a big one, I think, you know. His seed. Mmm. Seed for seed. So that's why his goal is to wipe a lot of seeds. seeds. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of seeds being spilled. Good God. <laughs> God. <laughs> I was thinking of uh, one of the roast jokes about spill more seed than Muhammad Ali at a bird feeder. Um, uh. <laughs> why Jesus. is Muhammad Ali catching strays? What did... Catching strays! <laughs> I spill seed is what I said. Anyway, and then there's a scene where Montcalm's like, I made the deal, Mog was ticked. He's like, oh, I guess you're just going to let them come back and fight you again. And he's like, I admit, I, I do worry that they're going to, I'm going to see these same people. But he's like, that's what we do. That's what, it's kind of like the rules of war before there were the rules of war. And he's like, well, I can't kill them. Wink, wink. No, he says he cannot sully the lilies of France. There you go. Important distinction, Co- Kylo. <laughs> He's so goddamn French. That flourish he does is insane, first of all. <laughs> awesome. And of course, he's an untrustworthy piece of shit. Dude, that's like Kylo Ren in, uh, what's that movie we just watched? The Duel. Do you remember when he gives that huge flourish at the court <laughs> with mm-hmm. this cape cloak? One of the best parts of that movie. <laughs> the best part. So, like, Ed and Mikey got to the point. They are, they're, they're leaving. This kind of happened in real life, but they weren't armed, and the Native Americans kind of did kind of blitz attacks, like, throughout the night and the next day or whatever. They'd come and attack a little bit, then they'd leave, and actually, funnily enough... British, it, it, it was the British, uh, the British's fault, actually, but yeah. Their fault? Yeah. Go ahead and explain. I mean, they were allowed to leave with their weaponry, but then they couldn't take any ammunition. Mm, um, what happened... What happened was was like the Native Americans were like, "Hey, it wasn't about like revenge for you know stolen seed or you know seed or anything like that shit." It was kind of like, "We need shit to trade, guys. Like we need to get paid. You know, we need firearms, we need clothing." So what they were doing is they would go to the back and start stealing from people, like stealing their guns, stealing like hats and you know jewelry, and like women and children were present as well. And I forget what colonel or general was there, but he was screaming, "Don't fight back! Don't fight back!" And it made the Native Americans even more brazen to be like, well, we're going to get this, we're going to get that. And they eventually started, like, killing people because uh, they weren't fighting back. And they were just like, all right, this is kind of easy. Um, I kind of wish they would have done that instead of just kind of the, uh, uh, you know, blitz attacks here and there. I kind of wish it would have unfolded gradually a little more. Still looks I, really good, though. That it shot looks is really so great. Cool. I just I love it so much. I kind of like the idea of almost like horror movie, where it says little by little, increasingly more tension and more tension. Um, but I think it still does look really cool. Pappy, what do you what What do you like about? I mean, I, I love everything about it. I love the the yips that they're making, and it's just oh, the yeah. war hoops. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Just I, that was my favorite shot of the whole movie. It's like from behind the column, and you just have this like. 
know, just from like a visual standpoint, these red coats in the middle of this like green forest with trees like pressing up against either side and all of a sudden like it must have been like a bitch of a shot to shoot too because there's like at least 75 you know extras including then like uh, some of the main characters in there and they just like surround them on both sides it just looks so good I love it so much that's my favorite shot of the whole movie I can't tell if I can't remember if it's in front of the the line or behind but like I think the coolest part and it might be what you're talking about is, you know, they do come out a couple times and they hit them with tomahawks and stuff. Then all of a sudden, you're kind of like looking down mm-hmm. and you see people run out. And then all of a sudden, you hear pow, pow, pow. And you see all the smoke come for the guns. And everyone just, like, all hell breaks loose. And, like, if you watch the girls, like, they get down from the horses or whatever and they go hide behind a tree. It's just freaking chaos. It's really, really cool. Really, really well done. Like you said, that's probably really hard. One of the native guys, like, runs first. There's, like, a Leroy Jenkins in their party, <laughs> right? Like, one dude just comes out and, like, starts hacking people. Full send. And the British react to it, but, like, they're not like, oh, shit, things are about to go down. They probably just think it's some, they some rogue lunatic, like, running around attacking people, you know? Like some fucking hobo Native American guy. I don't know. I think the whole thing's cool. I'm with you, Stevie, but I, I, at this point, they're kind of, you know winding down i guess who knows lots of running in this scene daniel day lewis is running everywhere in this scene yeah yeah and i love again i, I think it he looks great doing it so it's not like like imagine if tom hanks was in this movie and he, he would have been running, way it would be better bad. oh wait you know what <laughs> it would have been way better i guess he runs a lot in forest gump so never mind and i don't know like from this point in the movie brett like I feel like the foot does not get taken off the accelerator for like the last like 30 minutes of this movie, which is like when this happens. It's not, it goes so fast. It's the last 30 minutes. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. Josh, I haven't asked you. So, uh, what happens to, uh, old good old Colonel Monroe? Oh man. Someone <laughs> brought up legends of the fall earlier, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Monroe, who's like, on one hand, he's like the women folks' father. So we kind of hope that he like lives for them. But on the other hand, he's like kind of stern and obviously like doesn't care about the homesteaders' families and stuff. So it's not like I don't know what I'm trying to say here, Brett. I don't think he's like the most sympathetic character, but he's not like hated either. Definitely like in the gray area. Josh, this man is responsible for hundreds of Indian deaths probably. He's a relentless prick. He's a huge piece of shit. And like Daniel Day-Lewis saved his daughters and he's going to hang him. Guilty of sedition. He said, I'm forever in your debt for the next two minutes. And then if you sedate, (laughs) if you do any sedition... It's over for you, though. Her daughter fell in love with a brown man, and he flipped the fuck out. <laughs> Everything changed. <laughs> Not my daughter. Yeah. I, I don't know about all that, but... Um, <laughs> I mean, it's not like he straight murdered all these people. It's war, so... But I'm with Josh. It's more of a gray area for me. It's more of a gray hair area. Yeah. I'm a gray hair area. I, Dang it. I see all y'all's point. <laughs> Well, well met. Well met. Also, he's well British. Met. We're American. Anyway, okay? well, that's true. He sucks because he's yeah, British. Fuck but that guy. Yeah. They're our rivals. We've seen some hearts getting taken out in the past in some movies. Indiana Jones, uh, Temple of Doom. Yeah. Uh, Legends of the Fall, which is a brother taking that's another a, brother's yeah. heart out. That's a rough mm, one. Ninety-four Frankenstein. Ooh. Robert De Niro. Ace Ventura. 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, legit. Oh, oh, Dumb and Dumber then, right? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, classic. Puts it in a doggy bag. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys want to add yeah. any other like little details from the scene, that's fine. But I think the one that got me and actually rewound it to see if I was right and it was is like they do make a point to show like a second and a half of the general kind of still alive after yeah, his like heart. Yeah, like squirming and stuff. Yeah, yeah af- it's after the heart's out. Pretty well done. His eyes are still open. He's still like looking, but his heart's out. I don't know if you guys know this, but I think one of the coolest things about this movie He's still is gazing West- upon life, <laughs> but yet heart. life has been taken from his own chest. Wes <laughs> Studi and Maurice, Maurice Roves, the guy who plays Carl Monroe, they became like pretty much best friends for the next until he died in don't spoil the segment well, maybe he's dead <laughs> um but for a long time for a long time i think that's really cool he literally cuts his heart out in a movie and they became lifelong friends until very daniel day lewis would never he's too method he'd say you're my enemy for life <laughs> and literally cut that guy's heart out <laughs> i drink your milkshake <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think that was really cool i, I like that um so we somebody mentioned the boats earlier, but yeah, Duncan's still gonna Duncan. They're both escaping with their lives. They're lucky to be alive. Uh, by the way, uh, Pearl Monroe in real life, he he did live through this, and then what? he got back two months he later back and in? died. <laughs> no, no, they not in the movie. In, in, in real life, in real life, is he was a real person. He, he said he lived through this. Made it back to. <laughs> No, I'm, in real life, in real life, he lived through this ambush, if you want to call it, and then he got back to Albany or whatever, and then died three months later from uh, epileptic seizure. So, um, not the heart loss. He just, wow! Yeah. Wow! Uh, probably got bit by a mosquito. <laughs> he lost his heart, but he died from syphilis. <laughs> <laughs> Doing what he loved. All right. All right. Yep. So yeah, they're on the boats, and Duncan's gonna Duncan. He's like, "I will have you hanged." And Daniel Day Lewis like, "Yeah, okay." He's really pointing that gun too. I will fuck your bitch. He'd he'd love to, um, <laughs> but I don't think he's gonna be able to. <laughs> no, not quite. So much longer. No. Poor Duncan's not long for this world. So they don't want to go over this waterfall, or they think that eventually they're gonna be caught. So I think one of the coolest shots is when that boat goes over the water. I'm just joking. <laughs> um, I love. I absolutely it looks love better than the fugitive. I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. God, it's such a good line. <laughs> Ad lib too, I believe. Yeah, the boats don't look good, but I will say this for Michael Mann. Ambitious as shit, right? Like I just said, a scene with like seventy five extras to them on boats, you know? Like n- none of this is easy to make. Daniel Day Lewis probably made those boats. Yeah, probably. I'm joking. But I love I I know it might be minimalist, but I think the shots under the waterfall are incredible looking. Um, the sound of the waterfall is really, and it causes, I don't know, probably the most well-known move, uh, line from this movie is, you survive, I will find you. Uh, that, Dude, that's, that's stuff, from, something my brother and I still say. That's from Mission Impossible 2, uh, where he's talking to <laughs> What's-Her-Face. Uh, he, after she injects herself with that poison, Mike, she, I hate you. he says that exact same fucking thing in the exact same tone. It's, I mean, this was before that, but you yeah, know. I know, but yeah, it's the same. What was that thing? Was it called like, chimera? yeah, the chimera virus? Yes. Oh my God. Dude. Chimera virus. Yeah. He I've said, only ever seen the first mission. Impossible, word for word. So. He says the exact same thing. This is the worst part of the movie though. They go, what? They go behind. Josh hates love. They go behind a waterfall. And they don't find any treasure. 
and there's no <laughs> Mario Kart shortcut. Like that's true. That's no bump. All in there should be behind a waterfall. They, they got off Two the choices. track too early, Josh. They needed to go over the waterfall. The next waterfall. They just didn't the go secret. deep enough. Yeah, the next one. If they would have gone in there, they would have <laughs> ended up on Rainbow Road. Oh, okay. And you know how that would have gone. Okay. A lot of vomiting. Um. Yeah. So he says, no matter what occurs, I will find you. No matter how long it takes. No matter how far, I will find you. That was going to be my original spoiler. One of my spoilers, but. It didn't sound good. I didn't want to yell, and I was going to say "spoiler man" instead of "I," but I like what I went with. So, uh, what are you guys? What so, kind of vibes is this, though? You may have to rear their children for forty years, but I'll eventually come back for you. I'll I don't think he's down. got a lot. I don't think they have a lot of choices. Is I think. Why doesn't she jump out of the waterfall too? I did wonder that. Yeah. There's only one. <laughs> only one can go out of the waterfall. There's only <laughs> You're not one cool parachute. To survive. Only one person <laughs> on the budget, water Josh, side at a time. But I, I think that their best bet is for the girls to get captured and that them to follow them as quickly as possible. Because if the girls go with them, then they're just going to keep hunting them and eventually catch them, and they're not going to have a chance to break up. They don't have guns. They don't have. I mean, they have guns, but they have wet ammunition. None of it works. So, Why didn't the British officer Duncan and his helper friend go too? Because well, he, Duncan was like, he, let's stay here and he, die honorably. Well, <laughs> he wanted to fight and he called him a coward, but... Tis the British way. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I mean, I, I can't tell you, but I, that's how I see it. Is That was that their best sense. chance to survive. That makes sense. I always thought it was confusing as a kid, but that's just kind of how I I see it now. Uh, and Duncan, like, Duncan's not going to leave. Like, she's spurned. Cora spurned him, but he still, like, feels responsible for him. Cora could use some practice jumping off some things at this point in the movie. Well, uh... Just a little joke, guys. Alice, Alice didn't have any practice, and she killed it. That's what herself. I meant. I meant to say yeah. Alice. Damn it. I, I, figured, I figured that's what you Blew meant. I, I knew where you were going with that. But she does it pretty well. So, yeah, they, they do catch him. I think one of them hits Duncan, right? Clocks him. He tries to fight him or something. I think somebody mentioned that earlier. And they kidnap the girls, and the, the Mohicans kind of are following them. They're tracking them. And to me, like, when they get to the... You can actually say when they, the siege starts, the, the first ambush. To me, it's like just... Pappy and I were talking about it. The last 30 minutes of this movie is just like nonstop, awesome action and music and uh, I don't necessarily gr- know what he's talking about but he's like uh, Bill Simmons said like the last 15 minutes of this movie is basically like a music video and the guy who's with him on the show said yeah but it's one of the best last 15 minutes so it's kind of like just that style who said the, that the music playing Bill Simmons on rewatchables oh Bill those Simmons guys and, again uh, <laughs> I told yeah I, I listened to that today for uh, probably the third time yeah I see I just wanted to Get some stuff. Hey, I I could share. I'm 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 Cite your sources. sourcing that. Yeah, that's okay. I'm citing. Uh, but yeah, so I I just love everything on here. That at least the uh, the climax. So they go to a Huron village, the closest Huron village, and Magua, who's it's kind of weird. I will give you this. Like the whole movie, he's like, I can't wait. He's like, but he can't wait to climax with killing these two women, and then he's like, uh, we're gonna take them and not kill them. I'm gonna keep them as prisoner. Like, 
uh, you've been saying you want to kill him the whole movie. But anyway. Yeah, it's kind of like movie reasons the- pop in, right? You yeah. Know? Exactly, yeah. It's like <laughs> pretty hot. they'll make Bagua a good wife wives but so they go to the Huron and I I did a little research on this but they call the guy Sachem but I guess in that language or whatever it just means elder wise one or chief it means pappy yeah Yeah, he's called pappy his real name I guess is Tamanund but we're gonna call him Sachem he's the old guy uh, he's the old elder. He's a smart one. He's the guy that's like, oh, he's going to make all of our choices. And Magua's like, bro, look what I just did. I'm the man. I just killed a bunch of British people. I kidnapped these two women. Their dad was a, I cut his heart out. Like, he's just like, he literally says, he's kind of like Megan Rapino saying, I deserve this. Like, look at me. I deserve this. So, Jeez. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, good job. But, and then Hawkeye just kind of, I always thought it was so weird, but it's so funny to me and looks good to me. He walks in, strolls in, no gun, and people are just like punching him and stabbing him. And but he's, he's like, "I'm him. here." It's the Christ-like character. Yes, until Duncan later. Uh, but he comes in and he's just kind of trying to discredit Magua. I think this whole conversation is really cool. It is. It a lot of it happens really quickly, and it's like Brittany's like, "Why are they speaking French?" I'm like, "Well, none of them all speak the same same language, and the, these Native Americans have been trading with the French for." I don't know, 100 years. So they speak French. Hawkeye doesn't. So uh, Duncan does because he's educated and all that stuff like that. So they're having a three-way, four-way conversation. Um, it's all really rapid fire. I think it's really well done. Basically, he's like, this is awesome, but uh, we don't want to draw the ire any more of the white man than we need to. Uh, so they basically, like, they're, like, dealing. They're, like, making trades and deals, and Hawkeye's, like... Magua is a douchebag, you know, he's, he's a, he's poisoned and it's, it's kind of like they're all trying to outdo each other and Pappy kind of what, what, is this too much? Like, do you remember like what happens or should I go to somebody who's seen it more often? Um, no, I mean like from that part, I, first of all, the translation is awesome, right? I really like that cause you can kind of hear it, but they have like the big orange text within the movie itself. Yeah. Duck gets kind of quietly talking. Like it's, yeah. I think it's really well That's done, good. but I don't want to like push my, my opinions on you guys the, too much. The pappy so. of the tribe, he's <laughs> he, and then like this. This is what I was talking about too. Like he's saying that Magua has been corrupted by the culture of these other, like I said, the European powers who who have come in, and that's kind of what Daniel Day Lewis is saying too, right? Like, are we the kind of people who would you know get people drunk off strong whiskey and trade them beads and stuff? So the pappy listens to this, agrees that. Magua's been been poisoned. I think he says that um, they've got to burn the dark-haired one, who's yep the the main chick, and then at Cora, Cora. Yep. and then um, Alice is got to get become the wife, right? Is that what happens? Uh, Magua, yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and Duncan. Well, well, he says Duncan. He says Duncan, go back to go back to your homeland. Right. Yeah, and DDL is like saying, "Tell him to take me," and he's like screaming, "Like tell him to take me!" But Duncan, in I guess a moment of selflessness, is like saying, "No, take me instead." Totally redeems himself. Well, kinda. Yeah, she's right. Uh-huh. Take me! My God, come and say, take it! Get out! Duncan, what are they doing to Duncan? Where's Alice? 
but yeah, he's like, uh, he's, he tells Long Long Rifle or whatever to leave, uh, but he doesn't want to draw the ire any more of the British than possible. He sees what's kind of gonna gonna happen, and Magua's not happy about it. He's not happy at all. He's basically like, "You're you're weak. I'm gonna go to my other, you know, my other friend's house, and he's cooler." Basically, I mean, these are I'm trans. He has a pool. Yeah, he's got a pool. <laughs> uh, his mom is hot, and yeah, I mean. These are le- legit translations, if you've ever seen the movie. That's what they're saying. In French, <laughs> That's though. a pretty fair ruling by the Pappy. He's like... Oh, definitely. Magua, you're going you're gonna to be able to spill your seed. He's like, we got to burn one of them, boys. Yeah, yeah. someone's got to burn. Like, <laughs> that's... We all know that. He's like, we're right. going to give you the 15-year-old. <laughs> uh, she's got more childbearing years, and... Yeah, we're going to burn the old one. But it happens really quick. Duncan, I mean, actually, it's really weird. Like, he, they decide to take him, and then, like, six seconds later, he's already burning. It's, uh, it's pretty quickly done. And I know Mikey didn't like this because he wanted him to suffer. What are we cool? Is it more Mikey because he's a douche or because he's British? Or is it the same thing? Uh, <laughs> just burning deaths are pretty brutal. So you want to see that last as long as possible. <laughs> um, giving him the. Serenity of a bullet through his head uh, just doesn't yeah. do it for me. I, I want to see that guy burn. I am glad because I think he, maybe not totally redeemed himself, but I mean, you literally give your life to save these people. I think that's pretty awesome. But so then to me, like this last eight minutes of this movie is just, I, I, like, I've watched it so many times on YouTube. I love it. It's when I think it's Promontory, the song, which is my favorite. It's the one everyone. So they are chasing down. Whoa, 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 whoa! Army, who he's ticked off. He's basically like this. Whoa, whoa, what's that sound? What's that song? Oh no, Josh, that was. I, I wasn't humming that. That was actual. I played it. Oh, that was okay. from Spotify. Yeah, you Daniel can tell. Daniel Lewis is I running and to. running, and Daniel Day Lewis is running <laughs> and running. Oh yeah, loading his guns and still he is running. Loading his guns and look still at him running and look at him running and look at him running. Shooting his guns and now he is loading. That's that's good. That's good. That's that's good. It's real good. Part of me wishes that go back to the village scene that Duncan would have gotten the old uh, who was it uh, Radcliffe from Pocahontas. Like, that guy in real life had a terrible death, and I kind of wish Duncan would have got it. What was what his was death? It? <laughs> Even though he redeemed himself? He's the one who sings Savages. Yeah, he's the one that sings Savages. No, uh... Oh, no, no, but Radcliffe, he um, got tied to a post, and the women of the village uh, took, like, like, kind of these oyster shell, like, knives-type deals, and they filleted him while he was alive. Oof, like, they completely shit. stripped his skin. Bolton style. And then I think they set him on fire. I think he probably deserved it more than Duncan, but... yeah. That you Savages know, song. Yeah, we'll he decided. TBD. You sing one song about savages? Barely and even flayed and burned. That was a really mean song. <laughs> Canceled. But it works, though, because they're singing about each other. Oh. Hey, who's gotcha. the real savage? <laughs> Humans. <laughs> Good people on both sides. <laughs> All right, let's uh, get back on track here. So uh, they're trying to catch up. Uncas kind of gets a head start because I think a lot of their stuff, like according to the actress who played Alice, a lot of her stuff was cut out. So 
like they've developed a like like a puppy love type little romance that you don't really get to see, but they're both supposed to be young. I mean, the guy's obviously older than Alice in real life, but they're both supposed to be young, I believe. And you know, Uncas has been pretty baller this whole movie. So when he he decides to go take on the champ Magua, and you think it's going to be a good fight, and it just really isn't, Stevie, is it? Um, no, it's a, um, something you can kind of see from a mile away, yeah. but also heartbreaking nonetheless. Yep. You knew Uncas did not stand a chance. Magua's got that dog in him. Magua's <laughs> got that dog. Like, he just... And he's mad. I mean, he's, yeah, he's just... When he gets the opportunity, Magua's gonna cook, yeah. all right? Uncas just ain't gonna hunt. <laughs> that dog just ain't gonna hunt. So, it... It was over rather quick, and it's devastating too because I feel like Uncas and uh, Chingachuk—is it Chingachuk? Chingachuk have a phenomenal chemistry as father mm-hmm. and son. Oh yeah. Um, if I there's this—I mean, they don't even say much to one another, but you feel like you have like it's one thing that's great about like a Michael Mann movie is there's a lot of acting without words. Yeah. And I feel like that father-son dynamic really works in this movie, and it's heartbreaking when. You kind of get that slow mo shot of dad coming to watch his like, you know, biological son die right in front of him. It's really great. It is, and it's even worse because Magua's like literally toying with him. Like he'll does like the equivalent of knocking him down, and like he's like, "All right, get back up." Like he could kill him in three seconds, but he he plays with his food a little bit, and then like the death blow, uh, he like gets him and like stabs him in the kidney. Like, rabbit stabs a couple times and then if you look closely you can see the blood like spraying on Magua's face and that just Mm -hmm. I just always think that's gotta freaking hurt so bad and then he just kind of like throws him off the cliff and then uh, one part that my friend Tim and I would always do is we'd do like Alice goes towards the edge and Magua's like he does the thing with his hand he's like come on come on we used to do that, and she's like, hmm, kill myself, or go get, I'll use what they do online now, R asterisk P-E-D for the rest of your life. Uh, and then she follows her lover, as Josh alluded to earlier. You know, she didn't have a lot of practice, but I give her a good 8 out of 10 on that, that jump. That swan dive? She does some flippy-doos, and <laughs> she's pretty nice. She got so, with the jackknife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah she, jackknife. That was a dud. Shut up, Tracy. Come on in, kids. <laughs> there we go. So, Cora is kind of lucky. She comes around the corner and she's like, oh, where'd my sister go? And then she's like, oh, crap, she's dead. And then, oh, man. Pat, who get who just gets real mad? The Well, Daniel Day-Lewis gets mad, too. He's like double-wielding long rifles oh, yeah. at this point. But I think you're talking about- Dude, he's got two now. Does he run with them? He's yeah. <laughs> He's running with two. He never stops running, Josh. What would they do in the sequel? Like, <laughs> I mean, they already had him running with two. <laughs> oh, they'll find a way. Um, Figures out how to run with him in his toes or <laughs> armpits as well. He's running with a cannon on his head. <laughs> He's got one duct tape to his back like a die, die hard. Like lean and shoots. <laughs> um, what's the dad's name? Chingagua? Is that? Chingachgook. Mm. Chingy, yeah, he he just fucking tears into Magua. Like it's a pretty fun fight with his like rare, whatever we called it, rare blade that he has. But you see like Magua's arms breaking, 
and shit. And I don't know, there's definitely something going on. Like obviously it lasts the Mohicans, but like so much of this violence is being caused by like people's kids dying, you know? And like, cause that's why Mog was pissed and that's where the last of the Mohicans ends up like, but I love that fight too. It's really good. Oh yeah. No, it's my, I'm again, I, I love the end of this movie so much with the music playing in the background and I always thought, I don't know, I wouldn't say it's unique, and maybe you guys can think of some offhand, but I think what's really cool about this movie is the main character does not kill the main villain. Yep. Now, the title character does, but I think that's really cool. Like, you feel like they're setting up a fight between Hawkeye, who you know is a, is a, is good fighting, and Magua, who's a good fighter, but I love the fact that the dad who, you know, he, he looks old and he's been awesome, but you're like, God, we just saw what Magua did to Uncas, but... He whoops Magua just as bad, if not worse, than Magua whooped Uncas. And he's doing flippy-doos. And, like, I always thought the makeup looked really good. I still think it does. Like, I, I, like I always remember him swinging around with his knife and going right into his little war club. And then, like, he pulls it off and immediately, like, you can, like, see his bone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, in his elbow. I always thought that looked really cool. Yeah, he just F's his dude up, and then, like, again, this is where my shot is, my favorite shot, where they're staring at each other. Uh, Magua looks, has a look of, holy crap, what just happened? How did this happen? And Chingachgook has got, like, the look of the hatred of a thousand sons in his eyes. Like, he hates this man, and then he does a freaking 360 yeah. tomahawk right through his body. It's And then he, like, to add insult to injury, I love how he considers him like a piece of trash. He literally puts his foot, his boot on him and like kicks him off of his weapon. Like he's not good enough to be on his weapon. It's it's so good to me. Um, it's such a satisfying ending and I just love it. And it gives me this goosebumps just thinking about it. So Chinachkuk needs to go out and like make his people live again. He's not. Yeah. He's like 53. The actor is 53-ish. When they I'm sure he's got seeds still left in the tank. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Bring seeds back up. Spill your seeds. Spread. Be, make more Mohicans. I don't know. He's like, no, I shall never come again. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense that he wouldn't have that outlook before. When he still has a son, the son's going to carry on yeah. the tradition. But now... You know, he can be a silver-haired fox. I'm never going to blow a load again. (laughs) (laughs) As he looks into the sunset. Many moons have passed since my last load. (laughs) Josh, can you just, since you were talking about, can you just go ahead and sum up the end? Like, kind of what, when you hear Chingachgook speak English for the first time out of nowhere, just kind of sum up what he's talking about? Uh... I don't know. What is he talking about, Brett? They're like throwing the dust. I'll, I'll say what I noticed about this scene. They throw dust and they remember his son. He says the title of the movie. So I know Stevie wished that there should have been text on the screen. That would have been so sick. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just pause the movie and you get like the gale just roaring behind it. And last minute, he can start that small text, but big right in front of him. Oh, There's no title at the beginning. That's the first time you see the title. That's the first time we see it, boys. He goes on and on about Uncas, but never mention Alice's 
tragic death just occurred too and that white woman yeah she also (laughs) died (laughs) i'm surprised she made it that long to be honest (laughs) don't let her at the table with the elders but you know she's cool josh he gives a speech and he dumps the ashes and he's like uncus like so many of our brothers died face down in the muck and then hawkeye's like what was that about vietnam man like and they fight about that and it's pretty reminiscent of that yeah sorry dude Sorry. So yeah, uh, he's basically like, this is the end for our people. Uh, this might, this light, this stuff might be a little on the nose. He's kind of talking about things will never be the same. The frontier will disappear, uh, which obviously he's, he's right. Um, of course, in Albany, it's still pretty, pretty foresty up there, I, I'd imagine. But that's the end of the movie. Um, does anybody have any final thoughts? I, I have some stuff, but I want to pull it up so i have a stevie question let's hear it so we've done four michael mann movies yep we've done heat we've done thief we've done man manhunter manhunter and then we've done last of the mohicans like i guess not really a question more of just a statement and your thoughts but like this one is so radically different than those other three you know what i mean like this doesn't I feel like Michael Mann movies have a certain feel. And it's not that this isn't like a Michael Mann movie, but this is like kind of out there on its own, especially compared to those other three we've potted on. Yeah, I mean, I love this movie to death, but like he is probably the like chronologically the last of those four movies, right? Yeah. So that's him like the height of his powers. Then Last of the Mohicans is probably just before that. And then probably Manhunter and then Thief, if I remember correctly. Yep, that's the order. Like, they are radically different, but you can tell he's like growing as a filmmaker. And I'm going to leave this, I'll bring this up again when I give my yes or no's, but one thing Michael Mann does phenomenally in this movie that I think a lesser director would have trouble with is this is a snapshot in time that's very few days. You know, this isn't years, this isn't months passing through like a war movie. Mm. This is an epic, this is a snapshot. Awesome decision. And then... Michael Mann also applies weight and movement very well in this movie. It's hard to do. I know it sounds very simple, but like when people get hit, you feel them get hit. You know, you can actually feel and hear things on a grand level. And this movie does feel radically different, but I feel like it's right in Michael Mann's wheelhouse because he's such a good director. (laughs) You know, you get those directors that do things that are so different from one another. It's not, you know, the same thing over and over again. And... You know, Heat compared to this movie is so radically different from that because there's a lot of talking in that movie. A lot, a lot of talking. Mm -hmm. Um, There's action in it, but there's also not a lot of action. There's just, you know, these beautiful shots. And I feel like that's where Michael Mann peaked was right after this movie. So I think it's cool to, like, watch him find, like, his groove just before, you know, his masterpiece into Heat. Yeah, and like I just I want to see like every Michael Mann movie in theaters. Like I'm actually kind of like this got me more pumped for Ferrari, which is probably already out by the time this podcast comes yeah. out. But like, just like his sound, like the music in this is so good. Um, only other final thought I had, Brett, was he also directed one of my favorite Super Bowl commercials at all of all time, the Nike Leave Nothing commercial, and it has the last of the Mohicans. Stephen Jackson and his. Yeah, Stephen Jackson, and I forget who else is in, in it. Yeah, Shaw Merriman. Uh, the steroid guy, uh, Shaw Merriman. It's freaking Wait, good, though. It's like, do they keep it's morphing amazing. into yeah. each other? Yeah, yeah, he directed I that commercial. I remember that. It's one of the best commercials yeah. of all time. Huh. It really is. Anybody else have anything? Do you have a, a death segment? I do. Let's go. 
Cue the music. Do you need the music? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Can everybody hear me? Is that too loud? That's a little too loud. That's perfect. Louder. All right. All right. All right. So we got, we got a few boys. Not too many, but um, none of them are hilarious. I'll tell you that right now. Um, so Russell means uh, Chingachgook. Uh, actually, funny thing about him, he actually was a running mate of Larry Flint when they ran for president in 1984. Hmm. And he also ran for president in 1988. Uh-huh. And, uh, did he win? Yeah, he's got... No, he didn't get the nomination. Uh, I think actually Ron Paul did, so he ran for Libertarian. But yeah, he's got... You should read about it. He's got a quite the history of a lot of weird stuff. But he died at 72 of cancer. <laughs> um, Maurice Rose, Jesus. who played Colonel Monroe, all it said was he suffered from uh, like a an illness. He died at 83. Um, Patrice Chirot, who was Montcalm, who he died of lung cancer at 68. Tough, tough loss. Um, Dennis Banks, who actually I don't know who he was in this movie. He might have been the guy who was like. Oh, I was staying with my English fathers at the fort. I don't know. Uh, Dennis Banks, his name uh, his name was Ango Wazgon. He died at 80 with uh, of pneumonia following heart surgery. And as you alluded to him earlier, Pete Postlewaite, uh, Captain Beams, he had a rough go. He started smoking cigarettes heavily at 10. And um, he didn't die of lung cancer, but as you know, cigarettes just ravage your body. He got testicular cancer in the early 90s, had a testicle removed, and then he got pancreatic cancer in the 2000s, and he died at the age of 64, uh, nominated for uh, Best Supporting Actor in The Name of the Father, also starring Daniel Lewis. And that is all I have for the death, the deaths. <laughs> all right, cool. So if nobody else has anything, we can get to yes or no's. And then I have a really short trivia, really short. So um, let's go with let's go with the original order. Let's go uh, west to east. All right. Then I'm first. This is Corey Kylo Ren memes. I'm gonna give Last of the Mohicans a yes. It is a good movie. It is probably a great movie. I I don't think this movie's talked about as much anymore as perhaps it once was. Although you know, '90s movies aren't you know gone from our culture by any means i just i don't hear this one brought up maybe as much as it should be i think it's a great movie daniel day lewis young is a is an interesting thing to see um i haven't watched this movie in a long time myself but just seeing him as a young man was very fascinating in its uh, own right because you know he's now known as kind of like that elusive actor that doesn't give interviews that retired kind of early i guess and is known for his amazing performances. He really gets it in this movie. Uh, he's a great leading man, a great 90s kind of action leading man, but not necessarily um, one that followed that path of action movies. You know, the physicality of him running and shooting is uh, very, I think, iconic to this movie. Um, the movie has a great score, like you said. I don't think it's maybe as great as some of the ones we talked about in the very beginning, but those were all timers, so that's okay. If I'm going to say negative on this movie... This was talked about by someone else on the podcast, but there are times when this movie is too dark. 
And uh, I get the director wanting to do things dark sometimes, but you should be able to see the movie you're watching. It is a movie after all, so um, maybe went a little too far in that direction at times. You know, I've seen a lot of movies, of course, where there's night scenes and it's they find a way to light it well enough to where you can understand that it's night but still see what's on screen. This movie lapses in some areas on that, but that's pretty small. You know, it's a great story. Uh, I do like this movie a lot overall. Um, the guy that was the villain of the movie, uh, Mogwai, he is in Mystery Men, and that's what I know him for mostly as Magua. Sphinx in Mystery Men. Mogwai. Mogwai. No, <laughs> Gizmo, he's if that's more your thing. Mark McGuire. <laughs> Um, he is really funny in Mystery Men. So, like, he's a very serious antagonist in this movie. You know, he's a very brutal Native American uh, that is on a quest for revenge, and he's scalping people, and he's tomahawking the most friendly British guys in the neck. But uh, in Mystery <laughs> Men, he's he's really funny as Sphinx. So, uh, if you want to change a pace and see what else that guy's done, he's done a lot. But that that is one for for me, another '90s classic. Uh, yeah, so it's a yes for me. It's funny that you mentioned that. I'll just be the last time I bring it up, but they actually talked about it on the rewatchables. Like, if this movie, and I kind of agree with them, if this movie had come out three years earlier, um, it, it probably would have done really, really well at the Oscars. It probably would have had a bunch of costumes, sound, score, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, best actor. But, like, it came out in 92. Dance with Wolves came out in 1990. And then, like, even though it's not a Western, but, like, 92 was a really big year for movies. Uh, like Unforgiven, uh, Crying Game, Malcolm X, stuff like that. It was like Scent of a Woman. So, like, it literally was nominated for one Oscar, won one Oscar for Best Sound. Uh, um, Three Ninjas came out. Three Ninjas, yep. So, I mean, they who's going to win Best Actor when those three kids were all nominated? I know. I mean, once Three Ninjas came out, it was over. It was that was the end of the end of the game, baby. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, it just kind of came out the wrong time, maybe. Um, but Didn't A Few Good Men come out in 92? Yes, 92. Yeah, the, the movies that were nominated for Best Picture were Unforgiven, uh, uh, The Crying Game, Howard's End. Uh, did I say, already say A Few Good Men? A Few yeah, Good Men. And I think I you think, said them uh, Son of a Woman. There's, yeah. there's five. So, Son of a Woman, yeah. So, you know... Maybe not, but yeah, so it was a tough one that year and just a big year, like you said, Three Ninjas and stuff like that. So um, <laughs> let's go ahead and go to Mikey. Thank you, Corey. Uh, yeah, great movie. Great taint cinematography. Um, <laughs> Grunts. thought uh, all of the action scenes were uh, very engaging, very um, fun to watch or, I mean, not fun, but like interesting to watch they kept you uh motivated to pay attention throughout the scene and uh yeah it's a 90s kind of love action story type of deal and i think it is kind of weird to see daniel day lewis do this kind of thing because like yeah he's mm-hmm. not he's not always running around firing off guns and shit in movies so it's it's cool to see him take on sort of a action hero-y type role. Um, and it's also kind of sad that we don't get as much Daniel Day-Lewis as he wants to put out there. Uh, just because he doesn't want to work as much as 
everybody else wants him to, but that's, uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome to see Michael Mann also do something kind of out of the ordinary for him as well. This isn't like a super gritty, noir, dirty cop movie or anything like that. It's kind of a straightforward, um, colonial French and Indian war type, type of, uh, story going on here. And it's just a, a, a real big, uh, stretch for both of these people, uh, to pull off. And they, I think they do it pretty well. So it's a really good movie. And, um, um, I think I like it more than the Patriot just because it, it is a lot shorter and it seems to be more action filled. So in terms of uh, the movies that we've watched for your brother recently, I think Last of the Mohicans is probably my favorite. So super hard. Yes. It's, cause it's funny that you mentioned Daniel Day-Lewis. I mean, like literally like three years earlier, he won a freaking Oscar for someone who painted with his feet. So like, it's really weird to see him. Like you said, just so for what athletic movie? and running. Uh, my my left foot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was like that was like a surprise Oscar. It kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, Never heard he of that. Some movie. guy, Chris Christie Christine something. He was a it's cerebral palsy or something. I'm guessing he learned how to master painting with his left foot in that process oh, as well. One one thousand percent. Of course yeah. he did. It is a shame he doesn't act anymore. But you know, he will. No one wants to work anymore. Yeah. Thanks, Joe Biden. <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis doesn't want to work anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no one wants to work anymore. You know? No. Actually, we should thank him because by inflation, he'll probably bring him back. He needs that money. I'm with Stevie. He'll come back. I don't think he lives in the U.S., first of all. Oh, yeah, you're right. He doesn't. He lives in the wilderness somewhere. Um, Let's go with Josh. Ah, this is Josh from Goshen. Um, I feel like Daniel Day Lewis could have been an Olympic sprinter if he would have put his mind to it, boys. <laughs> yeah, he can run. Yeah. We see it in this movie. He can run while holding things. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. That's, it's that's honestly true. a pretty big. It's a pretty big selling point to tell someone that you're gonna watch a movie under a little under two hours and it's mostly daniel day lewis running around with guns <laughs> sounds pretty cool i'm not gonna lie uh it's gonna be a huge yes for me it comes in just <gasps> under the patriot versus like what mikey was saying but one last little nitpick i want to get out before this yes or no is done is like i agree the war scenes in general look amazing the framing the look, kind of the realism, seeing people come out of the trees in the wilderness and stuff. But I think kind of like the frame-by-frame scrutiny, if you look closely at the individual kind of LARPers out there doing this on the edges, isn't great. There's a lot of notice. There's a lot of wrestling over a knife or some guy getting choked out for way too long. Or... Is it better than the guy chopping wood in the Patriot? <laughs> <laughs> some yes, guy it's on his better cell than phone. that, but let's not bring in guy chopping wood to this conversation, okay, Pat? Sorry. Is, there star- is there a Starbucks cup somewhere? <laughs> I, I think uh, that's just one tiny little nitpick. And I think, honestly, it's probably just the lack of CGI, right? If this movie was made now... Every time um, 
somebody maybe punches and it whiffs, the CGI could maybe move something closer, or there could be blood that splatters that kind of hides it added later, but I, I admire what this movie does. It's, it was my first time seeing it all the way through, Brett. Crazy. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, nice. Thanks, brother. Brother Brian, love this trilogy. I'm honestly kind of sad it's over. Thank you. Stevie, just before you start, I got a question. Would this be your favorite movie ever if during the fight scene, all of a sudden they cut to the side and that orc goes, and uh, like to say, no, that they're all going to fight like in two towers. And then they go back to the real fight. Would that be like your favorite? Wouldn't mind it. Wouldn't mind it. <laughs> probably should be, probably should be at night though. It should be in the, in the, the fort scene. That would fit in better. Um, but you're I don't mean to, you know, drag this out, but like, Josh, you like the Patriot more than this movie? No, no, no. I can't get away from this. Give that man some medicine. Sorry, literal sneezing attack. Uh, I do. I, I do. How? <laughs> Heath, this is Heath Ledger. The blood. Mel the Gibson. Blood. Slaves Mel Gibson don't exist. That's right. Yeah, it's a better the seed. movie. Oh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, I don't know how to follow that up. I mean, I guess like what you like, but you're just wrong, Josh. Um, yeah, this is a brilliant movie. <laughs> um, I love this movie to death. I think Michael Mann... He's really coming into his own when he made this. Um, it's a short runtime, boys. This movie is not yeah. long at all. It doesn't feel right. long. Yep. There's not a whole lot of fat on this movie. Moves really nice. The pacing is great. And it's a snapshot, not a long, drawn-out story lasting years. Um, it's just a great, brilliant movie. The acting is awesome. Camera works great. Action is fantastic. The music is bar none classic um and it was made in the 90s so <laughs> you know I mean, you love it golden age of cinema boys um so yeah hardest of yeses probably my second favorite daniel day lewis performance hard yes and brother brian thank you for picking this movie because it deserves to be spoiled and um i just love watching it so thank you brother b pappy when you do your uh yes or no can you to build on what Stevie said about the length, can you b- bring up what you told me earlier? Oh, yeah. I was going to. Yeah. So to build on some other things that the spoiler man have said already, yeah, flies by. Like, I, I couldn't believe this was like a two-hour movie. Didn't feel it for a minute when I was watching it. For me, Brother Brian, it would go Last of the Mohicans, then a pretty sizable gap, then The Patriot, then an even way bigger, <laughs> ginormous Grand Canyon gap. <laughs> <laughs> and Robin Hood. Um, but so thank you so much for being a Patreon. Yeah, like really fun trilogy now, like looking back on it as like a thematic set of old historical movies. Um, and lastly, I'm going to go out on a limb and say the score of Last of the Mohicans is way fucking better than the score of Hook. But maybe I need to listen to it again. Maybe I haven't really <laughs> seen, <laughs> seen it. I'll, I'll put on headphones and close my eyes and listen to it. Haters need to listen. I really, really like this movie. I'm picking up what Michael Mann is putting down thematically yeah on the nose sometimes definitely i would say the only things that hold it back from being a perfect movie would be yeah maybe a couple times it is a little bit too dark and i, and I wish we had a little bit more from 
Alice, which is interesting that that got cut, but like, I probably should be feeling more at her suicide. And it's like, she's barely in the fucking movie, like at all. Yeah. Like, I don't, like, she could have died at any point in this movie. I would have felt the same as her suicide at the end. But I really fucking loved it. Uh, raging hard. Yes. Um, and thanks again, Brother Brian. Really appreciate your rock hard patronage. Um, you're the best. Yeah, Brian, you are the best. Uh, you're my best fan and you're the best brother I got. So, um, yeah, I, I'm so pumped. I, obviously, I didn't pick this movie, but I, I feel like people know that I, I freaking love this movie. It's one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, I, I do hear when people say it's boring. I don't get it, but I do like admit that people can maybe think of stuff as boring, but like the music that fills in, Again, like I said, it's my all-time favorite score. It, it just—it's so good to me. It's kind of like Irish step music, uh, a little bit of Scottish. It's—it's just—it's so good. Daniel Day Lewis is amazing. I love the chemistry between all three of the Mohicans, uh, the two and a half Mohicans, and like somebody mentioned, like it's not even something I really think about. But Uncas, I think Stevie mentioned Uncas and Chingachgook—they do have such amazing chemistry. And they barely even—they like barely even look at each other, but like. They like move together and it's just so cool. Uh, that had to have been a purposeful thing that Michael Mann did. Um, I haven't seen as many Michael Mann movies, I guess. And it's been a long time since I've seen Heat. It's obviously my favorite Michael Mann movie, but I, I'm going to watch Heat again soon. I know Brittany hasn't seen it, so, um, it, it's just, I, it's just incredible. This movie to me, everything about it, uh, just the last 30 minutes, I think, Bap and I were talking about. It's just like nonstop. It's epic. Like somebody mentioned, like the dialogue's great, but there's also long periods where there's not a lot of talking. It's just, it's an awesome movie. I love The Patriot, but I like love, love, love this movie. So for me, it's this gap, Patriot. And I mean, again, I, I know Prince of Thieves is bad, but I always liked it growing up. So plus, you know, Mullet. So uh, the hardest of yeses. I would say easily top 10 for me movies with spoiled and uh, definitely thank you, Brian, for picking it. And thank you for being a Patreon, a patron. Uh, it's not quite to that spot, but when, when football and basketball are over, like college basketball, he hates hearing, he listens to sports radio. He hates hearing about the NBA. So he literally goes through and listens to like all the spoilers again, spoilers episodes. So he loves it. And I can't wait to get him more content. So, that's it. I have I have a quick trivia. If anybody doesn't have anything, it's really quick. It's the closest to. Um, you guys ready for it? Oh ready. yeah. Are you good, Let's Corey? Do Are you it. good? We'll be done in three minutes, Corey. Uh, clock's ticking, dude. Yep. Pizza dude's got thirty, 30 seconds. seconds. Um, exactly. <laughs> all right. Uh, do you got an order for? Does it matter? Anybody? Doesn't matter. I guess I'll just go. Yeah. Well, let's go west to east. So Daniel Day Lewis has been the lead actor in only 14 movies. Think about that, by the way. 14 movies, three Best Actor Awards. That's insane. So, in number of millions, what is the total worldwide box office? So, oh like, my God. if it was 5 million, you would say 5, okay? You understand? Yes. I don't need, like, a full... So, uh, Corey, go ahead and go first. Closest to, we'll get to take us out. Yeah. Um, 800. Mikey? Uh, 600. Josh? 1,000. Okay. <laughs> uh, Stevie? 
Did anybody say 600 yet? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I did. did. We have 800, 800 600, 1,000. 1,000 million. 700? 599. Guys, this could not have been more close. By winning by a total of 2.5 million, the answer was 752.5 million. So Corey beats Stevie by 2.5 million. All right, Corey, go ahead and take us out and get the heck out of here. All right, my hot take. So I saw that one of the composers was a guy called Trevor Jones. It's a name you'll probably see pop up in movies from time to time. He's done a lot of movies, but he's not like a James Horner name or a John Williams name. Trevor Jones did the synth score in the movie Labyrinth, which is a movie I love. Absolutely love. So play us out with a Labyrinth Trevor Jones music. Take it away, spoiler man. Special thank you to our patrons, Brother Brian. For king, for country. Matt Troll. Does the rule of English law no longer govern? Druid King. One has to reason with these colonials, get them to do anything. Tiring, isn't it? But that's the lay of the land. Nick. Did the Huron make his Algonquin brothers foolish with brandy and steal his lands to sell them for gold to the white man? The Meg. I will find you. Nurse Stacy. Tell them to be patient and ask death for speed. The Wolf. Ow, ow, ow. But I believe England's still our sovereign. Barky 420. I thought British policies make the world England. PK. Squeeze those out on the Yankees to the Lugar session. Did you need all the sky down no dinner? Spencer. Their law no longer has rightful authority over us. Gale. Do not know what you're saying. Yes, I do. I know exactly what I'm saying. And if it's a sedition, then I am guilty of sedition too. Swole. Heading west, Kentucky. Cheese zombie. But I cannot break the term of the surrender. And Sully is a lady of France. Sebastian. <laughs> Dr. Lars. Anyone looking for our trail would see it as a sign we passed that way. Stone Cold Austin. Would your on full Senegrin to take in all the furs of all the animals of the forest for beads and strong whiskey? Nephew Quinn. I, Tingitska, last of the Mohicans. If you'd like to request an episode, hear your name read by Spoiler Man, or even just help us make podcasts, please check us out on patreon.com slash spoilers podcast. Be sure to check out Corey's podcast, Big Dumb Movie. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcastspoilers. It's lit. Josh Hensley from the Rutabaga wrote our theme song. Please support this podcast by leaving us an iTunes review. To do this, one, search for movie spoilers. Two, click on our orange Spoilers Bowl logo and scroll all the way to the bottom. Three, leave us some stars. 
and some words. Now you can check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Spoilers is now available on Audible. want to say look Kelly massacred my boy yeah give me the horse head <laughs> my man one of my favorite lines in the whole movie it's devastating but devastating. the wedding you talk about it's hilarious stupid and terrible I'll take it Josh <laughs> it just looks bad looks dirty it's honestly kind of boring the whole movie yes are you talking about Empire Strikes Back yeah, yeah. I agree. <laughs> Dude, that was like Stevie's whole Brett thing with trying to go straight for the low shot. I've been waiting oh for it. God. I've been waiting for it. That doesn't work though. If you said like Phantom Menace, you might have uh, some ground. I disagree with you there, but we'll get into that some other time. Empire is action packed. The show except for like except for all those hours of nothing going on. It's Passion <laughs> Jack. I give you thinking of Phantom I, Menace. I like the movie, but it's not action packed to me. It's Slightly less boring than the first one. Which one has the most space taxes? That one. I am. Pretty, re- I am ready. By the fun. way, <laughs> it just took me a second there. Everybody else ready? Yeah. Raise over, yep. B. Let me wet my my mouth. My whistle. <laughs> Lakes of. <laughs> I should have said that because wet my mouth sounded really gross. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Nice Prince reference, Josh. I appreciated that. Uh, Mikey, were you kind of stem? Slash Chappelle show. Yes. Check. You good, Corey? Yeah. All right. All right. Three, two, one, go. That was spoilers.